Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcast from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. Now, since Comic-Con has just passed a little over a week ago at this point, I decided to get together with one of my friends who is always down to talk DC stuff, and that's what we're going to be concentrating on, all the DC trailers and panels and things of that nature that came out of Comic-Con 2016. Now, I'm not going to bury the lead or anything like that. Let me let the guest introduce himself. Who is with me today? It is I, Chris Maffei. Hey! Hey! <laughs> How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm ready to talk some uh, some DCEU, some DC TV, maybe a little Spider-Man. Yeah, but it's all, all geeky stuff is on the table right now when it comes to uh, anything this, uh, this episode, if anything goes. So let's jump into that. Let's jump into t- Comic-Con 2016. <laughs> Denver remix. <laughs> okay, now before we like jump into anything, like I know, we, like we specifically said, like we would be doing talking about mostly DC stuff. However, there were a few Marvel events that happened at Comic Con that were not as public as compared to the DC uh, news that were being dropped. But there were a few things. Specifically, there was a trailer that was released to the public. It was trailer number two for Doctor Strange. Now, Chris, what were your feelings on the second Doctor Strange trailer? Oh, Tim, we can't start off with you asking me to to, to summarize my thoughts on on Doctor Strange. This is going to be one of those things where I'm just going to watch it, and then I'm going to be like, oh, and it, have absolutely no idea what was going on the entire time. But I'll probably still enjoy it, because it looks really good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, however was underwhelmed by this trailer, personally. I don't know if it was just because, we, like, and DC had, like, the one-two punch of the Justice League and Wonder Woman trailer that released the day previous, as well as, like, during that day, I was getting a lot of stuff done for my upcoming short film, so I was feeling happy about that. And then Doctor Strange trailer comes out, and I'm like, Hey! Doctor Strange has another trailer! And the sky is blue. Okay. Right? It, 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 it <laughs> and maybe it'd just be the content of the trailer, but it was pretty much like the same as the first trailer. Like more like expository dialogue about Doctor Strange to those who do not know about him, which is a re- which is a good thing because there are like a lot of people know Spider Man, a lot of people will know Iron Man these days. Doctor Strange is known, but is not as prevalent as compared to other Marvel characters when it comes to the public consciousness so that makes sense however it just seemed like and then we got introduced to the villain in this and the got the actor who uh played lachif and casino royale and he played hannibal for uh, a couple of seasons on tv is introduced and i don't know just something about him in this trailer just seems a little lackluster to me am i the only one that's feeling this or do you have similar feelings you know 
I never had any sort of um, any sort of an attachment to Doctor Strange or a familiarity with Doctor Strange to where I think I could be underwhelmed, especially because you know from the hours of like. 2 p.m. to whenever the TV panels wrapped up, I was like, I, I was hooked up to the to the DC main line, if you know what I mean. Like I was just taking everything in, all the trailers, you know, all the all the sizzle reels, all the the panels and everything like that. DC, and because they were giving us all the trailers, you know, they were putting them out online for us to watch. On you know, on like what Marvel did with with a lot of their stuff, where it was just for Hall H. Uh, I was really just focusing on the DC stuff. So Doctor Strange for me is kind of like, all right, cool, that's gonna happen. Wonder Woman, Justice League, Flash. Right, whoa, 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 you know, my mind was was spinning with all all that stuff. So I didn't really get to even m- form an opinion on Doctor Strange either way. I, I'd actually the the first trailer that came out a while back. I watched it and I was like, "Oh wow, that looks that looks really different. That looks like a you know a, a different tone for for the MCU." Mm-hmm. Um, and what is this Phase Three now? Yes. So uh, I'm like, oh, "All right, I like the direction. I'm going to see where they're where they're going to go with this." You know, it seems like something that I'd I'd be interested in, but it's not something like I'm like I'm salivating for this thing to come out. You mm-hmm. know, like uh, like I'm waiting for the for Spider Man to come out. Right. And like. I, it does look in visually impressive. It do, I know it seems it's a joke that probably beat into the ground ever, ever since the first trailer came out. It's very Inception-like when it comes to oh, yeah. the images. But I don't think it has a problem. I don't think it's a hindrance in any any way. I was just like, oh, that's really cool. And just to see cities fold in on itself. And that's the allure of Doctor Strange is the... To you, I can't think of a better term. The strange occurrences that can happen to this character and the environments that he can end up in is mesmerizing. And I, I enjoyed the like cast that they have thus far with Ben Cumberbatch and Tilda Swinton. So I'm excited for it, and I, I just feel it is kind of sucky is because there's a lot of Marvel characters that are kind of like almost like ripoffs or like either consciously or subconsciously ripoffs of DC characters. Like Dr. Fate happened years before Dr. Strange and they have very similar, they both deal with the mystical side of their respective universes. And just like, well, we're not getting a Dr. Fate movie for at least another 10 years because everybody going to be like, well, they're ripping off Dr. Strange, blah, 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 blah. The, the, the locust chirped and everything like that. But small I mean, minds. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I'm still like, speaking of small minds, this happened to me actually this weekend. There's a little tangent I have here that I, I knew I want to bring up here. Now, Edgar Wright, writer and director who did like the Blood and Cornetto trilogy, for those who do not know what that is, like Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, the movies with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, those comedies. He also did Scott Pilgrim versus, uh, versus the World. He was initially attached to uh, Ant-Man before he bowed out after creative differences with Marvel. He recently put out a list of like top one, his favorite 1,000 movies, just like make it a big, expansive list. And somebody tweeted at him, and it was just like, I've seen some terrible lists on the internet, and this is probably one of the worst ones. Like, God, where are like a lot of the foreign movies and yada, 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 which... Persons uh, entitled to their opinion, everything like that. But 
the title of the article is Edgar Wright's favorite movies. It's not <laughs> Edgar Wright what he thinks is the best movies. And I quoted a movie called High Fidelity, and I quoted like a line from John Cusack's character. It's like, how can we bullshit when you're stating a preference? The person never got back to me, so I don't know if either I stumped her or she's just like hasn't logged on the Twitter to fire back at me. And I'm like, geez, people, like what, what, like why must you be so small-minded and then I stopped myself and I'm like, you know what? This is the internet. They have to be pissed off about something anyway. Regardless. It's, and th- that is exactly why I always preface everything with this is my favorite, not, oh, this is the best. This is the best. You know, occasionally, you know, you, you get so excited, you get so wrapped up in something. You'd be like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. This is the best show ever, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's an exaggeration. Nobody actually ever really means that. But when you're sitting down, you're making a list of something. I always make sure that I preface it by saying, uh, oh, these are my favorite matches of 2016, not, the, oh, these are the best matches of 2016. Because as soon as you say that, then it's like, oh, people think they can come in and objectively like, oh, no, 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 no. But for me, I always go the subjective route. You know, my favorite, you have no say in it. If you think that you do have a say in what is my favorite, then you're, you're a special kind of person. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll leave it at that. So that that that's why you always go with the the favorite route instead of the best or the greatest. Yeah, that is something that's really ridiculous. Anyway, Doctor Strange looks interesting. I'm definitely gonna go see it. Like, like even the dis- my like kind of mixed feelings on Civil War. I'm still gonna go see these Marvel movies despite me being a bigger DC fan. I like movies. I like comic book movies. So I will go in and I most likely will enjoy this. Do you have any last words on this trailer? No, I I agree. I will I will watch it. I'm not sure if I'll if I'll see it. You know, in theaters. You know, it's not like a a first night viewing for me. It's not anything like that. But I, you know, I think I'll dig it. You know, I I'm less familiar with Marvel characters than I am DC characters, and mm. it's, you know, it's just always been that way. So when I see these these MCU movies, it, it's an education in, in a new character for me. You know, I knew nothing of Ant-Man before I saw that. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm glad I gave this a chance. I really like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some Marvel Marvel properties that lean towards things that I very much just do not have a taste for, like Thor or, mm-hmm. you know, even the Hulk or, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Although I do think I will relent and see that at some point because I've just heard too many good things about it. But... This is kind of like, oh, you know, it reminds me. Have you ever seen the movie The Illusionist? No. Well, I, I get the to- I get that kind of a tone from the trailer. Uh, if you haven't seen that, uh, it's one that I recommend. It's uh, it's about a magician. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of like, remember that movie Now You See Me that came out? Yeah. A couple of years ago. That was like a like a like a crappy kind of um, not wow. like a ripoff of it, but like I, I could tell it was inspired by it. But I hated that movie. I mm. that movie was just oh god, I didn't like that movie at all. But The Illusionist was a really cool movie, and this kind of, I get that kind of vibe from it, um, from Doctor Strange. So mm-hmm. uh, w- whether or not that's that's accurate at all, or was an inspiration, you know, is neither here nor there. That's just me personally what I get from it. So yeah, uh, Doctor Strange, and that comes out this year, right? Yes, in November. November. All right. Yeah. So. Uh, November's a good month to go see movies, so maybe uh, you know, maybe maybe I'll check that one out. Awesome, and it's funny, like when you mentioned the Illusionist, because the Illusionist was part of a weird trend that Hollywood does sometimes when they release very similar themed movies within the same year. 
Like you have Dante's Peak and Volcano, Deep Impact or Armageddon, or like recently you get White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Like movies yeah. have very similar subject matter released within the same year. Illusionist was like that when The Prestige came out. And uh, The Prestige is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. And I will argue that against Inception. I will argue again against Memento and The Dark Knight. I love The Prestige. So I always had this kind of like trepidation to watch The Illusionist because I'm like, oh, this is the magician movie that came out the same year as The Prestige. Now that I'm like years away since it has been released, I probably can watch it and being objective about it and just enjoy it as a movie. So would you recommend it? I think you'll like it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. See, oh, see, this is where I get to turn the tables and recommend a movie to Tim because usually, folks, it is it is much the other way around. And one of the things I love is that whenever we hang out, we have a movie night. Like we were discussing earlier, we gotta have a movie night soon mm-hmm. uh, with Justin. Uh, I I love the way you like you curate these movie nights because, like, there are so many movies that I've never seen because I'm. I'm not, you know, I'm not like a big, big, big movie guy. You know, I, I have right. very specific taste. There are so many movies that I never would have watched if it wasn't for, uh, you know, you coming over with a DVD or me coming over there. So uh, I love the way you curate these movie nights. So uh, whenever I can, I can recommend something to you or like I recommended Mr. Robot. Like that, that's always a little, little feather in my cap there. And I'm, I'm not the kind of movie buff that will just like cross my arms like no you can't recommend anything to me i am the lord of this <laughs> of this realm and it's something ridiculous like that like another friend of mine like a coworker, at one of my jobs he recommends it something and since he's so overly enthusiastic i always like have it at arm's rank like reach because he thinks everything's the best thing ever so it's like dude it's like it's like the best it's like the best thing ever and i'm like whoa dude like calm down i do like i'll see it on my own terms like if somebody else like recommends it as well i'll take that under consideration a lot more like like he he let me borrow the movie akira i've never seen the movie akira some anime fan is probably crying right now because of uh, that statement's been said out in the world um and like he let me borrow the dvd it's been sitting on my dresser staring at me for a while like for maybe at least two months and i've yet to watch it i'm just like yeah, I, I still gotta watch that. Moving on, and then I'll just do. Look, we else we all have we all have a list of shame. Oh, of course. Anyway, let's keep on with the Marvel mood and let's move on to one of the other big Marvel movies that were mentioned at San Diego Comic Con, but a f- footage we haven't seen yet: Spider-Man: Homecoming. Woo. Now, did you re- <laughs> did you read like the breakdown of the trailers? Like some people, like they put out articles after the, the trailer was shown. Yeah, I did read uh, a breakdown of the footage that was shown. Uh, it, this is uh, – I really wish that we could have – because it, it doesn't – it's not like it was a trailer. It was just like, you know, I guess whatever they had from the first however many weeks of production. Mm. Uh, I, I really wish that we could have, you know, maybe seen a glimpse of it. But I do understand that Marvel wanted to be like, no, no, no. This is for the people who came to Hall H. And I understand it from that point of view. Like you want it, you want there to be exclusives and and things just for the the, the crowd that turns up there to give people an incentive to come. Mm. Uh, so I understand that, but it really like it, it increased my hype for when we actually do get to see a trailer or a teaser or a sizzle reel or something like that. Because um, I you know I, I actually now that I'm thinking about this. Wait a minute here. I actually like the idea of them not releasing it because because that Spider-Man footage is elusive and you can't immediately see it like you can Wonder Woman or Justice League 
or you know the thousand suicide squad trailer i think that creates a, a different type of hype coming out of that weekend for uh for spider-man homecoming because they give you the tone of it you know it has the tone of a you know it's, a, it's very much a high school movie mm-hmm. and you know they, they they have it open up with uh bad reputation go a little freaks and geeks and you know you have the michael keaton casting news and it's just kind of like oh wow it's this is creating a whole you know its own hype rather than it just being the third best you know piece of footage that you can see coming out of the weekend mm-hmm. so I, I i do i do like the 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 route that they went with this and i think when we do get this footage uh it'll be all that more impactful and you know they they, they still got a while to go this isn't coming out till july of next year so um there there'll be plenty of time for us to sink our teeth into some spider-man footage but i i really can't wait though because from what i've heard and from the descriptions and the breakdowns this sounds like like it's going to be a really really good movie yeah and it's i don't know like i wouldn't be surprised that this upcoming thursday for like during like when the midnight release of suicide squad is going on that marvel drops the trailer online because both companies are guilty of doing that just being like it's almost like spy, like spy versus spy in live action when it comes to these two studios it's like like oh I've given you a letter. Uh, oh, thank you. Opens up, pff, blows up the guy's face, and things of that nature. And it's always like, even like the comics have done that for years. Like when Stanley would refer to DC Comics, he, he would always say, "Our distinguished competition out there." And so I wouldn't be surprised if like Marvel just like, all right, yep, everybody's gonna go see Suicide Squad. Like, oh look, Spider Man, and then. Or they'll drop Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, one or the other, something just to be like, wow, I was going to go do this, but this looks very exciting, so I'm back on the Marvel bandwagon, or I'm I'm back to seeing more Marvel movies. But going back to, like you said, the description of this trailer, it does seem like it's going to be a fun movie, just like how the 20 minutes that we got of Spider-Man and Civil War was incredibly entertaining. So I'm looking forward to this. It, It is... My brother-in-law and I had this conversation, uh, I guess two weeks ago, that he's saying, I can't believe we've had like three Spider-Mans in 16 years, which he does have a point. I mean, these are kind of like, these are based on comic book characters and comic books have been rebooted for decades and such. So I understand his kind of criticism of that. However, seeing a fully realized high school movie with spider-man not just like the first opening act like both amazing spider-man and spider-man 2002 did is intriguing to me and i cannot wait to see that especially with tom holland being the full focal point of the movie and not just being a side character amongst a myriad of characters and you said exactly yeah and you said it's what july next year july 2017 yeah that's uh that's when this comes out. So month after Wonder Woman two, that's going to be a nice little uh, little one two punch there for your for your 2017 summer. But I like I I don't I don't yeah it's it's three Spider Man within uh you know within a relatively short amount of time when you think about it and it feels like you know it just feels like just yesterday those those um sam raimi spider-man movies were coming out but Mm -hmm. i I, you know i really don't think it's just like batman i really don't think that there's diminishing returns i I think that you can have different versions of these characters across different different platforms different mediums and if the people love the character the people are going to go with it you know 
it, it's and it's 2017. We now have a cinematic Superman and we have a television Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, all of these things, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Like all the like, I think people can go with this stuff, and I think if the movie's going to be good, and especially if, like you said, the fully realized, you know, the high school. Like, if we're going to get, like, the true, the real deal, this is the definitive Spider-Man movie, then I think, hey, go for it. Do do whatever you want. Like, I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my favorite Marvel character. Like, I, even before I really got into MCU stuff, you know, before I saw the Iron Man and Captain America movies and got into, you know, the Avengers and the MCU, mm-hmm. I, I was always, always a fan of Spider-Man. It was the big two for me as a kid, Spider-Man and Batman, Batman being obviously number one right but spider-man's always right there i don't know what it is but i love spider-man i I, i'll watch any spider-man movie even uh amazing spider-man 2 which i think is horrible but i'll still watch it it's it's like like i said before we did our last podcast i'll watch any batman movie even batman and robin and i'll watch any spider-man movie and i'm just i'm especially michael keaton being cast as vulture in spider-man homecoming that's that's just like the icing on the cake there now is that is that confirmed? Is he Vulture? Yeah, from from what I've read, I mean, we know that the main villain is Vulture. Mm. We know that Michael Keaton's been cast. Right. I think, you know, I I think it's pretty safe to say. That he'll but be I, I mean, I mean, I I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he's playing something different. You know, everyone pretty much assumes that Tom Felton is playing one of the big bads in the Flash season three. But mm. maybe they're going to swerve us. Who you know? Who knows? But uh, but Michael Keaton just being involved is really cool. And then you have uh, J.K. Simmons kind of flipping over into the Justice League universe. So there's like Spider-Man, Batman cross movie crossover things happening, right? Which which is which is kind of interesting. Um, um, did I ever send you that photo of like somebody made a meme of J.K. Simmons in the gym? Yeah, and it's like and they spelled it G Y M Gordon. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, Jim Gordon, yeah. And, I'm just and I was thinking back to Batman 89 when the Joker drops the bell down the center of the cathedral to block the entrance of going up the tower. And I'm looking at J.K. Simmons, I'm like, he would have moved that bell. Look, look at his gun. <laughs> like, like, oh, you think that's going to stop us? Push that over to the side. The cops go up and arrest the Joker. And yeah, like like you said, like it's swapping swapping like that with Michael Keaton now in the Marvel in a Marvel movie, and now J.K. Simmons in a DC movie. It is weird to see that, as well as William Defoe, apparently who played Green Goblin in the. In the oh yeah, that's right. He's in the DCU. He's in one. Of the, he's in the Justice League movie. We don't know as who as yet, which is intriguing. But it's funny that now Michael Keaton would have played Batman. He was a Birdman. And now he's a vulture. Oh my god! (laughs) And I'm just like, I guess he just likes playing characters that can fly, or presumably fly. And I'm just thinking, like, the Birdman costume, I'm like, is is the vulture going to look very similar to that? I'm just curious, and I cannot wait until, like, we get set photos of the first trailer of him in the costume, and people are going to be like, ah, so that's how he got the job as vulture. Wow. Yeah, uh, Birdman, Birdman, another movie that uh, we saw that in theaters together too. That was you, uh, Justin, and I, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and that was such a weird like. Want to see that? Sure. And, like both of you guys agreed to it. I was not expecting that because it's a. I knew it's gonna be like an artsier movie, and uh, like even for <laughs> my own taste. And I'm just like, I, I remember when you uh, when you posed it to me. You're like, uh, 
you want to go see Birdman? I was like, oh, what, what's that? Because I'm just thinking of like the rapper. And oh, you're like, God. oh, it's a, you're like, oh, it's a black comedy. And I was like, you want to go see a Tyler Perry movie? Zing. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Mike, Michael Keaton likes he likes to. Oh, he should have been the uh, he should have been the pterodactyl in the new Power Rangers movie. Ah, oh, well. Pink Ranger Michael Keaton. That, but, which, by the way, um, I've been. I've been watching some of the some of the videos, interviews with the cast of the new Power Rangers movie, which is something that I, I definitely want to cover in podcast form mm. when that's when news and trailers and stuff like that starts to come out because I'm excited for that. Uh, I really like the cast of of that movie. I, I like them; they have a nice chemistry. Um, but we haven't really gotten much outside of like a poster and a, and a few you know cast photos and stuff like that. Uh, but I definitely I want to I want to talk. Uh, about that at length when that starts to get going because that comes out next year too March I think I think we should definitely cover some Mighty Morphin Power Ranger episodes as well as the movie the first movie before oh, the yeah. movie comes out oh, which yes. I'll be down for and like and I know a few friends of mine are like they're such big Power Rangers fans They, I've watched the Sentai the original Sentai shows that Mighty Morphin is based off with them just because of like like, we want to see what Power Rangers came from. Like, all right, let's watch that. And it is just, it's intriguing, to say the least, and seeing how how one show is and how the other show takes yeah. the, the footage and changes it around. What are your feelings on the costumes thus far with Power Rangers? We'll talk about that really briefly, then we'll move on. Uh, You know, I think for the tone that they're going for and, you know, the fact that it's obviously a movie and it's not a TV show, it, it was probably going to you know look like this like inevitably like i this is about what i would expect mm-hmm. you know they kind of look like like little iron men um but i mean hey you know it, it, they don't look i don't think they look dumb i, no. I don't I, and it's not spandex and it's not you know glitter you can't you can't go that route and you, you, you know, it's, it's not it's not glitter not glitter glitter armor um, it was that was that a reference to History of Power Rangers? Yeah, uh, yes, it was. <laughs> it's glitter. It's glitter. <laughs> I I love that series. That yes. Oh man, oh, for, for those for those uh, for those seasons of Power Rangers that I never actually watched, like you know the the later seasons. Uh, I just watched the you know the Linkara video, mm. and you 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 know you kind of you don't have to watch that season then. You just kind of you get all you need from that. But he's, it, you know, he, he's funny. It's funny. Um, every time I hear um, Pressure by Queen and David Bowie, yeah. I think of that that montage he he created at the end of what that was. Uh, that in was space. Lost Galaxy, right? Or, was in space wasn't or it, Lost Galaxy? Uh, mm. I think it was in space because isn't wasn't Lost Galaxy like um, a different continuity? Yes, you're right. Because it, it and in space was the last of the. Original continuity from Mighty Morphin yeah. up until that point, right? Okay. When, when spoilers, they killed Zordon. Yes, they. And oh, now you got me Jones into want to talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers right now. So, oh. hey man, we can we can do a whole you know whole other series on that. Yes, but we just got to think of a title first. Anyway, that last thoughts on Spider Man, then we'll move on. Um, um, I'm excited for it. I'll go see it. I it, like I don't know if I'll go see it opening weekend. I'm not going opening night. I mean. I refuse to go to opening night opening night movies anymore. It's just too hectic, and it's it's it is a good vibe amongst the people. But then there's just like 
all right, I'm going to be getting out at like at 3 in the morning, and I'm just going to be driving home, and I'm going to want to get home rather quickly, and then the police are going to be just patrolling all over, and I'm like, I don't want to have to drive too cautiously. I just want to get home and everything like that. I'll usually like go early Saturday morning or something like that, so like deal with that. So Spider-Man Homecoming, I'm looking forward to it. As am I. Yes. And that concludes pretty much like, well... Guardians of the Galaxy, they showed a trailer of... At no, I don't want to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> right, I forgot. You're not a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> well, it's not that I'm not a fan. It's just that I, uh, I haven't seen it. Oh, and, right. Um, I have no idea of anything that goes on. I do know that Baby Groot is a thing. I don't yes. even know what Groot is, though. So <laughs> It is... <sighs> the opening... T- the first two scenes shouldn't work tonally but somehow they pull it off and that's just pure magic right there and i take my hat off to that and it's uh you just have to see it i say watch guardians of the galaxy when we come back to that we'll cover guardians of the galaxy in the future okay on to dc news oh 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 quickly before we um before we flip over into dc uh they did have some Marvel Netflix presence at ah, at Comic Con, and because you know we're ramping up for Luke Cage in September, um, and they you know they did have they announced I believe they announced Daredevil season three or maybe they announced that a little bit beforehand, but um, they had a this this Defenders teaser trailer came out. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? Yes, I did. That was I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and you know what, like. That's probably the cheapest thing that Marvel ever has created in mass media format. Not saying, like, that's a cheap way of doing, like, it was, like, really cheesy or anything like that. But, like, no, that is one person at their computer and maybe one person to, like, get an isolated vocal track off of uh, Come As You Are from Nirvana and putting that together with the Scott Glenn voiceover. It's just interesting that we're getting a Defenders trailer, even though we have not seen... Other than maybe a sixty-second teaser of Iron Fist. Oh yeah, that's right. The Iron Fist and and Luke Cage trailer too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I liked what they did because they just took kind of footage that we've already seen and and just kind of splashed some logos and some graphics and and did the whole thing. I liked the little uh, like the way they did like the ransom note defenders logo with mm-hmm. all you know letters from the different graphics. I liked it. I mean, it's simple. It was effective. Uh, it. It increased my interest in in all of the shows. I mean, I I love I love Daredevil and, and Jessica Jones. I'm looking forward to Luke Cage. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that this was a nice little nice little teaser. But again, I think we talked about this on the Flash podcast that we just did. But I don't get nearly as hype for the Marvel Netflix shows as I do for um, the DC TV shows coming back because. Right. I, I don't know why. I guess it's because the Marvel Netflix things are just like something that I binge in one weekend and the DC TV shows are like around for the long haul and watch them all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just that I like them better. I think I, I'm finally realizing that it's like, you know, I just I like the DC TV shows better, even though, you know, I, I, I think the Marvel Netflix stuff is quality. But for me, just as a whole, like the, the DC TV stuff just kind of plays to what I like better. Well, I think there's, there is a, a reason for that. A, I think is the tone of the Marvel TV shows, the Netflix shows is they're the very dark and 
dark and gritty. No, like I, I, I was, I wanted to think of something else better than that. I mean, like they're grim, very grim, dark. That's the other one, grim, dark. Grim, dark, and it almost seems like you, like if you watched that, like say if you watched Daredevil season one, Jessica Jones, and Daredevil season two, like in binged, just binged all three seasons of that. I mean, like I don't know, <laughs> you would just be, you would just like be a manic depressive at the end. Yeah, of that. I mean, it's such a tonal shift from the Marvel movies that it's like you can only handle so much at a time and then you gotta like you gotta think of it like alright here's a little bit and I gotta go out and get some sun because it's just that exactly and like but I I feel like I'm getting more excited for the Netflix shows than I am the Marvel movies maybe it's because oh, yeah. of that and maybe it's because of that tone or maybe it's because we're getting so much more content versus like a 13-episode season versus a two-hour movie. And it's nice world-building that they can do within that. And they just been... The Marvel Netflix shows have just have been such quality writing and characterization that you just gotta... You can't take your eyes off it. So much so that it becomes catchphrases amongst your friends when we just scream at each other, No, Jessica! <laughs> I had to shoehorn that in there somehow. Otherwise, I think that would be a fail on my part. Haven't done that in a while. It, 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 like David Tennant got uh, like a special achievement award from <laughs> television in, uh, uh, in England. They didn't show any Marvel like Netflix stuff. They didn't show me anything from Jessica Jones. I thought it was a little disappointing. I was like, ah, oh. because if there's one clip you got to show, you had to have shown that moment. Oh yeah, he's, like, he's, he should get an achievement award just based on that. <laughs> but going back to like Luke Cage, I agree. Like this trailer makes me pump for Luke Cage. Is like the only problem i have with this potentially potentially i could be wrong is like a potential problem with any luke cage comics if he's like indestructible you got to keep raising the stakes to hurt him yeah and i'm like how do you do that it's like it's yeah. kind of like the same problem with superman at, at times but yeah and luke cage is a street level superhero so it's not even like we're dealing with aliens no so and it's even, like even yeah the word aliens on... even more difficult yeah, and I'm just like, all right. They pump them full of lead with like all the gangsters shooting at him. That's why he takes the door off the like Escalade as a as a shield at one point. And I'm like, okay, that, that's that's cool. But regardless of like the nitpickiness of it of my complaints here, I'm excited for it. And I can't wait for it. Oh yeah, I I I cannot wait for for Luke Cage. I like the. Um... I, I I just I like the, the the things that that have been said about you know they're kind of treating the 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 season as if it's like like an album. Uh, every every episode title is going to be named after uh, a gang star song a uh, song title, mm-hmm. uh, which which is something I I, I like um, I like that it's setting its tone in in like '90s New York hip hop as like the soundtrack for uh, for this because it obviously it fits. Um, mm-hmm. I like I like the term the Wu Tangification of the Marvel Netflix universe. Um, right. That was that was another thing thrown around during the panel. Um, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be good. And Iron Fist, I, I'm looking forward to Iron Fist, but I I just I hate the hand, and I know that that's gonna be a big part of it. And I'm I I, I want to see Iron Fist, but it's like. Uh, you know, I could, I could, I could pass on on more of the hand, but because that was the low part of uh, Devil Daredevil season two for me, and I know you agree. 
Yeah, and I wonder if they can maybe redeem themselves a little bit with this and give us an aspect of the hand that we, we've not seen before and maybe a bigger plan other than just having Elektra as the prophecy girl that they're going to build their entire invasion storyline around. And so I'm hoping for that. I'm not going to dismiss it outright. I just hope it doesn't, like, the hand just turn into the putties and it just become, like, an annoyance rather than actually moving the story forward. <laughs> if we're going to shoehorn Power Rangers jokes <laughs> in there, I had... <laughs> Bumping into each other and shit like that. Oh, man. Now I just want to see putties on Iron Fist now and have Billy just run, run, run away from them before he could actually fight them on his own. Ugh. <laughs> Hand, hand, hand over fist. Oh, that you know that's going to be like the title of every review of Iron Fist. Every every blogger out there is they oh, have yeah. that written down in their in their Evernote, ready to go. Yeah, like they're they're, they're at Starbucks right now, just like, oh, this is gold. Just tapping away at their keys, knowing that this will be humorous. Ugh. <sighs> Anyway, yeah. Luke Cage, looking forward to. Iron Fist, looking forward to. Defenders, curious how they're going to pull that off and how the Punisher will fit into that. And even though Punisher. And it is eventually his own TV series, which I am ecstatic for because the Punisher is my second favorite character, comic book-wise, behind Batman. So, And I think John Bernthal did a fantastic job. I do miss Thomas Jane because that was my Punisher the 2004 movie and the short film he did a couple of years ago, but I'm looking forward to John Bernthal's Punisher TV show. As am I. All right. All right. Now, any other Marvel stuff you want to talk about? Um, no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't even when we, uh, when we were going to do this, I didn't even, like Marvel didn't even come into the equation for me in my mind until I remembered, oh yeah, Spider-Man, oh yeah, Doctor Strange, oh yeah, the Netflix stuff. We didn't even have that down in the notes. Um, I kind of, I kind of, just figured we were just gonna go DC the whole way. But yeah, there there was a lot of Marvel stuff that did come out on or around Comic Con weekend, and you know a lot of people say, oh well, DC won, DC won the weekend. But I mean, I don't think you know. The fans won the weekend because we're just getting we're just getting so much great. Look at all this stuff that's coming out. You we go are, back t- ten years ago. If you could peek into the future and see this now, see what we have and what we are going to have. It like it'd just be incredible. Like one of the one of my favorite moments I've ever had in a movie theater was seeing X the first X Men in theaters, and of course I've seen Batman movies and I've watched the. Spider-Man anime TV show, and I've seen the Superman movies as well. So I'm like, all right, cool. And I see the X-Men for the first time in 2000, and I'm like, that's a moment I'll never forget. I, I, I clearly remember seeing the first two X-Men, seeing Spider-Man, seeing the original Hulk, and then seeing how we've come from there into where we are now, and this journey of comic book culture being filtered into traditional pop culture in such a heavy dose and that we are being we are being spoiled with all this content and it's not going to last nothing lasts forever of course so i'm like i think you're right the fans won and i think we should just bask in the glory of everything that's coming towards us right now i'm basking 
<laughs> I can see you, your next tweet. I'm basking right now. <laughs> and, and people will be like, what? What do you mean? Anyway. On to... What? I'm... I'm I'm, I'm, no, I was just going to make a, bad, a really bad joke, but forget it. Let's move on. Okay, <laughs> all right. Moving on. Let's talk to you. Let's, let's go across to the other comic book publisher and content creator, DC Comics. And let's talk about the first trailer that, that broke was uh, Justice League Action, the new animated show based on the Justice League. Now, did you get a chance to see this trailer? I did see the trailer. Um... I pretty much forgot everything about it because so much other stuff, like I said, entered my brain that day that anything that I, you know, that wasn't a priority just kind of, you know, I quickly forgot about it in lieu of other things. But mm-hmm. um, my relationship with animated series is kind of weird because while I always wish that I could get into them and you know while i i do like what i've seen of like batman the animated series for example i i just never i never i'm never around for the long haul i can never watch an entire animated series i always my attention just diverts away from it i there's something about animated series you know i can i can watch the animated movies like i like a lot of the dc animated movies um especially the batman justice league ones i can watch Mm -hmm. those but animated series i never really uh don't really capture my attention so much, um, but I, I have, you know, seen that the general reaction for Justice League action uh, has been positive. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Like, it, with the reaction being positive, to Justice League action, it's funny because my favorite TV show of all time is the Batman animated series, and whether whichever iteration it's in, whether it be the one that premiered in 1992, whether it be the the kind of like redesign era of with the post Superman animated series when they did the redesigned characters and things of that nature, and then it went on to become Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's curious because I know for a while you were big into the Batman the animated series, and then we like we we would go off and talking about like episodes like Over the Edge at length. It's just curious to saying that you're not the hugest fan of animated series overall. Yeah, I I don't know what it is. Anything animated, like even old shows that I used to watch when you know when I was a kid, like I can't, I can't sit down and watch like an episode of Rugrats on the splat. Like I can't watch the full thing. I don't know why. It's just I have something with just animation. I don't know. Like I I I I, I vastly prefer watching something live action, whereas um, you know maybe the, maybe the more quality of of writing would be on something like Batman the animated series you know i'd i'd rather watch gotham because that holds my attention i don't know what it is it's just it's me it's just one of my one of my weird things you know yeah. i have certain uh certain things just i can't i can't watch just because i i can't watch anything in space i can't watch anything medieval i can't watch anything post apocalyptic just doesn't do for me and animated stuff you know, like I said, with certain exceptions, uh, animated stuff just doesn't really fall on my on my radar. All, although Batman the Animated Series is an exception. Yeah, and it's curious, like, because I've shown you both Alien and Aliens, and you enjoyed Aliens more than Alien. I, you know, I just, I don't, the idea of space just to me is just not, not appealing. 
Like, I don't know what it is. Like, the idea of aliens and stuff like that, like, in, in the general sense, not not the movie. But, you know, when you, you've shown me these things, I've enjoyed them. And I'm able to, you know, extract certain certain things out of them that, you know, that I that I do like. But, like, I can't sit down and watch Star Wars. Like, you couldn't pay me to sit down and watch Star Wars. And I'm sorry for anyone I'm offending. It's just I... I missed the boat on those things as a kid. You know, I missed the boat on Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, I missed the boat on all the medieval. St- I just, oh, God. Just put well, me to there, sleep. You know? There goes our fan base. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Just because just cause I don't like it doesn't mean that anyone else doesn't have a, you know, a right to be totally into that stuff. It just doesn't capture my imagination. It's not. It's not what I... It's not what I watch movies for. It's not not what I watch TV for. It's just not my thing. I, I I I understand the appeal. I totally do because you know it's so related to other things that I'm interested in. It's just not. I don't doesn't. I don't tick those boxes. It's funny. Like, it, like if you were a traditional person on the internet, and if you said like uh, I'm not a fan of that, you and you you would be the the thing you'd say is like, and you're stupid for like liking it. Yada yada yada, and. But you have a very neutral opinion. Like, yeah, you can have fun with it. I don't care. It's just not my thing. That's a very rare thing to find on the internet these days. But well, that, well I'm not, listen. I'm not just some schmuck off the internet here, Tim. You oh, know? No, no, no. I never. I would. I was <laughs> never ever say that about you. You're one of the most unique people I've ever met. Well, thank you. Oh yes. And back to Justice League action. Here we get back to that. It looks very. Like, obviously, anime shows are meant more for kids. Not always. Not yeah. always the case. Like, Batman the Animated Series, it treated its audience very seriously. It wasn't too... Like, some episodes, like, you watch back as an adult, you're just like, ah, that's a little... That's eh, not, not the most adult thing in the world, but that's few and far between. But there were moments in the animated series where Bruce is having nightmares of, like, not being able to save Harvey uh, from turning into Two-Face, and his parents are like, why didn't you save us, son? And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. Kids are watching this on Saturday morning. How, how is a kid not supposed to be traumatized like Bruce Wayne after a moment like that? However, this show seems like it's aimed more for little kids than actual, I guess, adults that would be watching that. I did kind of get that sense, almost just from looking at it, too, just judging from, like, just the way it looks, the way the animation looks. Mm. But, I mean, whereas with Batman the Animated Series, the writing is very much, you know, adults can watch it and, and get, you know, get the story and be, you know, the story will be gripping for you. Where And I think that's what sets it apart for me because, you know, you can watch it as a kid and extract what you will from it as a kid. It's just like, oh, it's, this is cool. This it, it looks great. I mean, it, it's one of the best looking animated series, I think, that, there ever was Batman the Animated Series, but mm-hmm. when, as an adult, you get so much more from it than just like, oh yeah, it's Batman and Robin and Batgirl and blah blah blah. You know, it, you the stories are you know some of the best written stuff that that you can find for watching any sort of Batman content. So I think that's what sets it apart. And where Justice League action, you know, if it's aimed, if it's aimed more towards kids, it would be one of those things where I probably wouldn't be able to watch it for more than than a few minutes without being like all right you know this is cool but i have other i have other stuff i I gotta watch go watch some japanese guys pretend to kick each other (laughs) keeping everything in context right here um and it's funny because i had that initial reaction when i watched batman brave and the bold and that was a tv series an animated show where it seemed like a a more lighthearted batman and i'm like 
he's fighting space aliens. I don't know about this. And then I sat down and watched the episodes because Dakota recommended, highly recommended to me, and I realized the tone it was going for, and that Batman plays everything straight, even in that ridiculous world. And it like, there's one scene where like there's a like, um, like a character called like She Face or something like that. It's like a woman physique with a with a man's head on it, and it's like a super villain. And he's like, he's like, you wouldn't hit a woman, were you? And Batman re- responds like, the hammers are just as your unisex, and then clocks her. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get the tone they're going for with this. I'm hoping it's one of those situations where, on first glance it seems like all right something that may not be appropriate for me but if you give it more time you realize oh i understand what they're going for and could get more out of it that's what my hope is for justice league action i can't wait for that to come out anyway so and if i think it's worth your time at least i'll recommend at least a episode to you if not oh of course of course of course yeah you know I'll, I'll, i'll try to check it out here and there i'm you know, I'm I'm all for any of this stuff that's coming out, and I'll you know I'll give anything a fair chance unless it's you know aliens or medieval or post-apocalyptic. You're not you're not gonna sh- you never show me Thor. I'll tell you that much. Not no. watching Thor. And I do want to show you one of the Mad Max movies, but I'm just like I know he'll he won't enjoy it, even though it's one of the most well, visually you know, stunning movies I've ever seen. All right. Well, I'm 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 more flexible on the post-apocalyptic because you know. I have watched things that, that fall into that category that I'm not immediately turned off of. But in general, you know, there's there some of the more generic offerings in that in that style just kind of, you know, don't do anything for me. But um, medieval, 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 I don't budge on uh, medieval. It's like, all right, come on, listen, I, I got things to do here. I gotcha. Anyway. Let's move on to a TV show, which I actually haven't watched that much of, but I don't think of any. No, I think you, I watched the pilot, Supergirl Season 2. Your feelings on that, because that was your favorite show this year. Was that not true? Oh, no, The Flash was my favorite show, but Supergirl was number two. A very, okay. very, close, very close number two. And I didn't anticipate it being that way, because when it first started, it took a couple episodes to really find its tone, and some of the marketing was kind of iffy, and I wasn't quite sure, you know the direction that this show was going to go, but it, it found its tone, I would say close to midway through season one. And I really got attached to the characters and they did a lot of really cool things. And just like the introduction of Martian Manhunter and just some really, I really enjoyed the show. And for me to put it up there, even above Gotham, which I really enjoyed season two as well. Um, and for it to be, you know, above a mainstay for me, like arrow or, well, Everything else was above Legends of Tomorrow, let's be honest. But <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow Season 1, we'll talk about Season 2. But Supergirl, for me, is like, wow. This this really came out of nowhere and became uh, one of my very favorite shows. And it's uh, I'm just as hyped for it as I am for The Flash Season 3. Um, and Season 2, they're going to be introducing a Superman into the yes. show, which is something that we... You know, we previously thought, oh, that'll never happen. Obviously, Henry Cavill plays Superman in the DCEU, and they have no plans on bringing him to television. But I think the floodgates are really wide open now. And I don't know if it has anything to do with, you know, the Jeff Johns factor 
or if it's just something that would have been in the works anyway. But, uh, you know, we, we've seen the pictures now of, of Tyler Hoechlin, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm, I'm probably that, butchering I, that. I think you're right on that, though. Well, we've you know seen some uh, – have you seen the pictures of him? Yeah. In the, and, in the costume? And it's – it's it's funny because he like almost seems like an amalgamation of Christopher Reeve and Henry Cavill. Oh, you think so? I I, I thought the uh, the graphic that they you know the photoshopped one that that Supergirl tweeted out with mm. uh, with Superman Supergirl. I thought it looks re- it was a really weird Photoshop. But then there were some set photos that I saw. I think uh, they look much better, and he didn't look as like awkward in the suit. Um, not as much of a jacked Superman as Henry Cavill, but. I th- no. he, look, he looks like Superman, but on the suit looks like Superman. I thought he came across well uh, during the panel. I re- the, the one thing that I took away from the Supergirl panel this year was the chemistry of the cast. I really, really enjoy their chemistry. I think out of all the casts, you know, aside from The Flash, I think they had the best chemistry um, of all the panels that I watched uh, over uh, Comic-Con weekend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're going to do some, some interesting things on, on this season they have uh, the the cliffhanger of season one going into season two was uh, Supergirl opens a pod at the very end of the season finale. And she has this, you know, this reaction like, oh, you know, this very surprised reaction. But they don't show you what's in the pod. And uh, what's there's in the pod. <laughs> there, there's been uh where's the trigger? There's <laughs> been a uh, there's been a casting. um for whoever is going to be in the pod, we don't know the character who's going to be in the pod, but we do know it's going to be pre- uh, played by Chris Wood. Um, a lot of people think it, it could p- possibly be Monel. Um, there are some other ideas being thrown around, but uh, so that's that's kind of been the cliffhanger going from season one to season two uh, as who's in the pod and what does it mean. There's also a couple of other, a uh, couple of other new castings and new characters. Uh, among them, Linda Carter is going to be playing the president of the United States. Really? Yeah. That's that's cool. I love wow. that. I, I I love the way these shows they they get in there. You know, they're, the legacy, the legacy characters, people who play these characters, uh, you know, in other shows and other forms. I love the way they just, you know, like what they did with John Wesley Ship uh, on the Flash. I and just then, love uh, I love that type of stuff. What was it? Um, what was it Dean? Doesn't Dean Kane play Supergirl's uh, father in this? Or stepfather? Oh yeah, yeah. You, uh, I think so. I would and have he, to look that up. But uh, and I, I, like, I like Lois and Clark right there. Yeah, and there is. I think there were, there's been some other um, some other like Smallville and and you know, some people who have popped up um, some castings you know randomly throughout. Throughout Supergirl, but I thought that was really cool. Um, Linda and Carter Mark playing Hamill the, per- the trickster. Oh, of co- well, obviously, yeah, obviously. that's on the Flash. But, uh, but Supergirl, you so you haven't seen any of this, right? I don't think I've seen any of it. Yeah, I would definitely recommend, and it's a it's a shorter season too. I would definitely recommend checking it out. I believe the CW is going to start having like a marathon, and then it'd probably be on demand. So I'd recommend checking it out because. For me, you know, if I had to pick, you know, if I had to pick just two or three shows, you know, Flash and Supergirl would would be the the first two that I would pick of of the ones that I would definitely want to watch this upcoming season. Um, 
So yeah, but not there's no sizzle reel. That, you know, they they hadn't started production. I don't think uh, at the time of Comic Con, so there wasn't anything like that. But I think one of the big angles that they were they're going with is that uh, Superman is now part of you know on screen because they had alluded to Superman and she would have these these IMs with Superman and like text messages throughout you know season one and there was one where you know you you saw Superman take off but you never actually saw him and then there was another another part where you saw like a shadow of the figure of Superman but you never actually saw who it was so they mm-hmm. were just kind of going out of their way to avoid showing you Superman so I think it does make sense that they would be introducing an actual you know the actual character into the show uh but i don't think it's going to be a case where it's going to overtake the show i i do think it's still very very much going to be supergirl show which is very much positive because melissa benoist does a great job as supergirl it's funny that you mentioned like having alluding to a character when they haven't cast them and then they will probably worry about the casting later on i know they did that for um the original Wasp for in Ant-Man because we don't see any pictures of Michael Douglas's wife in the movie, and nor do we see her outside the costume without her with a helmet off. So we don't know, like they can cast somebody like, "Yep, this is what your mother, who your mo- who played your mother, the original Wasp, if she's ever going to come back from subatomic world limbo that Paul Rudd went into briefly in Ant-Man." But ha- the enthusiasm you have for Supergirl is. Pretty infectious, I have to admit. So I'm going to have to check out Supergirl whenever it comes on Netflix or whenever the CW is going to put a marathon on. I will watch it and check it out. Or, you know, even some other means if you want to you get all caught up before, uh, before Season 2 starts. Uh, which, by the way, premieres October 10th. So it premieres the next week from um, when Flash and Arrow start. Uh, which, which we will... Uh, are we transitioning now? Are we we're going to get into... Uh... Well, I figured... Let's talk about another show that I didn't really watch that much of. Let's talk about Legends tomorrow, then we'll get into Arrow. Okay. Um, So, the cool thing now, though, is that, obviously, Supergirl moving over to the CW, now these, you know, the four shows, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, now they're all going to share kind of... uh, They're not going to share the same universe. Supergirl's going to exist on a different world, but there will be a big Fortnite crossover, which was confirmed at Comic-Con. Um... You know, Supergirl, Flash, Our Legend of Tomorrow, a big Fortnite. Like, that's just going to be insane. And to see that on TV, it's like, it's going to bring a tear to my eye. Like, that. that's... And and with, with the news that Legend of Tomorrow will be doing Justice Society this season and season two, it's just like, wow, like, this is... We are truly in the golden age, not just of movies, but now of, of television. Oh, yeah. And... It's almost like when it's very rare for TV shows, the different TV shows, to have crossovers, and it reminds me of times when Law and Order would cross over with Homicide, or regular Law and Order would cross over with Special Victims Unit, and then you see like Elliot Stabler on the original Law and Order set, and I'm like, "What? You can't exist here. This is impossible." We haven't had a moment like that in a very long time, so. Having this with all four shows being interconnected at least for one moment, I, I will admit that it's something to be. I, I'm in awe of if how they're going to pull that off because I just imagine the giant writers' room like, okay, oh my god, how do we do this? Yeah, it's like it, it would almost be enough just to have the shot of everyone you know 
on the screen, but you do need to follow it up with a compelling Fortnite story, you know, obviously. But like that, the logistics of planning all that out and the production and everything, wow, that's having it fit into all the, you know, all the show's stories and like having to fit it out. That's like, that's got to be a nightmare to, to do. But, you know, I have all the faith in the world because large, these shows are largely, you know, they're quality shows where, you know, some of the, like Arrow season four and season three, that quality dipped a little bit, but the flash is just firing on all cylinders and Lynch of the tomorrow looks like it has such a great direction coming up. And Supergirl was such a solid first season that I think, um, I have, I have the highest of hopes for this Fortnite crossover. And I guess a big part of that's going to be the justice society now, because they're changing up the team on legends from season one. We're getting rid of, uh, uh, the barista and, and Dane cook, um, which were my, Hawkman and Hawkgirl, my least favorite part of season one. Uh, getting rid of them. Uh, so the team for this season is going to be White Canary, Adam, Firestorm, Heatwave, and Vixen. Although not the Vixen, not the live-action Vixen that we saw on Arrow. It, this is going to be that character's grandmother. So they had to recast because of uh, scheduling conflicts that uh, that that the other actor uh, had you know, the, the voice of the Vixen animated series that's on CW Seed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hoping that, because when she was on Arrow, I don't know about you, but I, I thought, wow, she, this is a really cool character. You know, she was just on one episode, but I was like, I like her more than anyone on Legends of Tomorrow season one. And I was hoping that they would add Vixen to the team. And they did that, but in a roundabout way. And now it's a different actress. And it's interesting, like, the Justice Society of America, like, Jeff Johns, like, cut his teeth in comics with the Justice Society, along with David Goyer, and David Goyer would go on to write Batman Begins and help with Dark Knight and Man of Steel. So the Justice Society has a pedigree along with the Justice League of America and things of that nature. So seeing that come to fruition is something to marvel at. I didn't want to. I was trying to think like, is there another word I use? Like, all right, I'm gonna have to use it for this. It's, and, it's something to IDW at. <laughs> it's something that it will incite an image in your mind oh. for sure. Uh, ha, ha. Good night, everybody. It, it was a real dark horse. Uh. Oh, you, these jokes are giving me vertigo now. <laughs> Shit. I, I, I mean, moving on. <laughs> I'm not going to wallow in that. So, yeah, the Justice Society of America, so much possibilities, and a time travel show... It's like, it's something to, we should foster it because it's something like that that's very expensive and we may not get any more of if we don't continue to support it. So more DC stuff, the better, the happier I'll be. And is this something that's starting in January again or is this starting in October and having a full long season like the Arrow and Flash? No, yeah, um... Legends of Tomorrow is starting on October 13th, so it's going to start the same week that Supergirl, and that's the week after um, uh, Arrow and Flash come back. So yeah, it's, it's, I believe it's going to have a full season run, just like uh, the other shows. Wow, I'm excited for that, and this is how he, you were pitching it along with the first trailer I saw, I'm like, alright, because I've seen a little bit of Legends of Tomorrow, and i got to finish it, because 
time just got away with me with both jobs and doing other things, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. Like, I just caught up on Mr. Robot, and now I'm all, I think I'm call, caught up on Mr. Robot, except for this week's episode. And now I'm watching Stranger Things, and I'm like, and I got Peaky Blinders, and like, I got so much stuff to watch, and I have no time to do it. But for this, I will make time, and I cannot wait for Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, so the the Justice Society is actually going to be um, Dr. Midnight, Obsidian, and Stargirl. And, uh, and they had Booster Gold at the, on the last episode, the season finale, um, ended with the cliffhanger of, of, uh, of Booster Gold. And they're going to be, you know, the, the, the villains for the season are, is the Legion of Doom, yeah. made up of Reverse Flash, Malcolm Merlin, Damian Dark, and Captain Cold. Like, how... How fucking incredible is this? Like, like I said, and, we're and being spoiled. The great thing about this is, uh, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about Arrow too. But these deals that that they're given some of these actors on these shows, uh, they started with Wentworth Miller, and now is extended to John Barrowman and Katie Cassidy, where they're signing deals to just appear on all of the shows. Mm-hmm. So. If Malcolm Merlin gets written into, you know, The Flash, he could show up on The Flash. Obviously, now he's going to be on Legends of Tomorrow. He's still going to be on Arrow. Could show up on Supergirl, you know? Um, it's just like, uh, it's incredible. Oh, oh, by the way, I, I didn't, I, I, when I, I meant Our Man. I didn't mean um, Booster Gold for, uh, for oh. Justice Society. I meant Our Man. Um, I, 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 had, I had a brain fart, and I just realized that. <laughs> But now we have the reverse Flash, Malcolm Merlin, Damian Dark, and Captain Cold all just kind of like coming together as the Legion of Doom, as the villains for Legends of Tomorrow Season 2, which has the Legends team and which also has the Justice Society. This is just like the show is like going to be like whereas I didn't think they had enough on Legends of Tomorrow Season 1. Like I was very underwhelmed with with everything that they did and, and with Vandal Savage and like, this is just going to be like a, an overload of like so many great characters just coming together. And now that, now that we have um, the possibility of having all these different crossovers with different worlds, like, I wonder if, you know, we're going to see Oliver, like, for example, we're going to see mayor Oliver queen in the first episode of Legend of tomorrow season two. Uh, Jonah hex is going to pop up again. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see some version of, a flash at some point maybe we see you know the actual jay garrick flash you know maybe john wesley ship uh gets to be on on legends of Marvel season two it was just it would just be so cool to see you know because the justice society is coming kind of coming from the golden age so why not have that john wesley ship flash make an appearance in uh in legends of tomorrow because depending on what they do with him in in the you know the flash show uh this could just be a little little bit extra, a little bit more time with, with that character that we may not get to actually see him. Um, but we, yeah, maybe we will. Any last words on Legends of Tomorrow? Yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, kind of the parallel between the DCEU and the DC television universe on the CW, not, you know, not counting Gotham, mm. but um, – it's interesting just how they're kind of running parallel. You know, they're doing Justice Society in the movies. They're doing ju- uh, doing Justice League in the movies. They're doing Justice Society on TV. Uh, originally, Legends of Tomorrow 
was pitched to be just a Justice Society show, and they wanted to call it JSA at least if they couldn't call it Justice Society. But that was uh, – I forgot who said this, but I remember hearing this a while back, and I was like, oh, wow, that's that's really interesting. They just wanted this to be a Justice Society show, but instead they – you know, the, 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 the decree was that they could not do that. Um, and that they had to do something different. So they just kind of created, you know, Legends of Tomorrow and have it be just an offshoot of whatever they wanted to do. But now that they get to incorporate the actual Justice Society, like you said, it's just, wow, this is really, this is really cool. Um, I just like, if, even if this wasn't, uh, you know, even if Legends of Tomorrow didn't get renewed and we didn't have the Justice Society or whatever, like what we, what we get from from DC TV already is really cool, and the you know the stuff that's going on in the Flash and Arrow and now Supergirl, it's like this is just like putting it over the top. Like wow, look at what is now possible on these CW shows that a lot of people tend to write off. Mm. Which I whenever I hear that, it's always very disappointing, especially when you know it's people who oh yeah well. Uh, you know, it's CW, you know, it's all drama, it's all relationships, blah, blah, blah. No, like, yeah, you, you, you do have to get past certain tropes that, that occur on these shows. But once you get past that and it's real easy to accept for one show and accept for one character, it's real easy to on these other shows. And, and, and in some cases, um, those angles enhance the shows, but once you get past any of you know the tropes that you may not be a fan of, there's just so much cool stuff happening on DC television. Um, and I'm not excluding Gotham from that, but just because it's a separate universe and it's separate from all the stuff going on, it just you know it doesn't it doesn't quite feel like you know something that we should have in the same conversation. But as far as these four shows. Um, I'm really looking for, forward to what they're doing in, in this Fortnite crossover that's going to be happening. Now, and it, I do agree, it is kind of disappointing that some people are really dismissive outright of this of these shows. Yeah, like there was in every show there were there are episodes that are less than stellar, and even in great TV shows, I'm like. I wouldn't be mistaken if said there are dull episodes of Seinfeld. Especially in the first season or the mm. first batch of episodes. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, not every show can have every episode be firing on all cylinders, you know, 10 out of 10, best show ever. You know, it's just, it's natural. Yeah. I mean, even shows like... The Wire or Breaking Bad or, like, even though I'm not a huge fan, like Game of Thrones, they have their dull episodes. Every show has them. It's just weighing those versus the weighing of how many great episodes there are. And these TV shows happen to have a lot of great episodes that I really enjoy. Now, I know we've mentioned Gotham a few times. Let's jump to that really quick before we continue on with the, the CWDC universe. Um, did you see the trailer for Season 3 of Gotham? Yeah, and it was kind of weird because it was like five minutes of clips from season two and then like just a little tiny taste at the end of of season three. But what we did see uh, really didn't even allude to it. Just It's flat out Court of Owls. Yes. And it's interesting because 
Scott Snyder, the writer who came up with Court of Owls, actually, who now lives on Long Island. I've met him twice, once at a signing and once at the comic book store that he frequents and I frequent as well. And he, it's interesting because I was there and I, and I walk in, I look to my left and I see him talking to the guys behind the counter and like his kids are running around. I'm like, holy shit, it's Scott Snyder. Cool. And so I immediately go to the DC section and looking at books and I'm having, I have my Batman hat on and I see somebody coming, approach me in the corner of my eye and I'm just like, it's Scott Snyder, isn't it? It, and I just see the peripherals. He's getting closer, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, all right, be calm. And I, and I just kind of, like, turn on my heels, like, yes. He's like, hi. And I'm like, you're Scott Snyder. He's like, yes, I am. And I'm like, how you doing, sir? He's like, good. Where'd you get your hat? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, and I told him, like, my sister got it for me at Dick's Sporting Goods store, and I, like, bought this with him mall. I was like, oh, cool. Like, my kids are joining hockey, and I got to go there anywhere. So thanks for telling me that. I'm like, have a good day, sir. You too. And I'm like, I just talked to the head writer of Batman, the guy who created Court of Owls. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this play out in my mind. This is, this and is hilarious. I'm known to be quite sociable, and I have no problem really talking to like strangers and stuff like that. I, I have, For the longest time, I couldn't have a conversation with a lot of people, especially strangers. I would be very quiet and reserved. I've gotten better than that in years. Podcasting being part of that has helped me. But I was just like, like dumbstruck at that moment right there. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to. Like, that's what, I, that's what was going on in my head. And I just feel like my heart just pumping in my chest. Like, oh, God, don't just act natural, act natural. And does anyone end up like that clip from SpongeBob when SpongeBob meets like his uh, jellyfishing idol, Kevin, like. Hi, Kevin. I did not want to be like that. Thankfully, I wasn't. But having the Court of Owls in Gotham must be a tremendous honor for him that he's seeing that in live action. Like, they've done Court of Owls in the animated movies, like, with, uh, um, not Batman, not Son of Batman, but the one that followed after, like, the DC animated movies. Batman vs. Robin? Batman vs. Robin, yes. They had Court of Owls in there, which I think they... Court of Owls, like, like, that deserved its own movie and kind of feel like it was kind of shoehorned into that. But it seems like with Gotham and they're going to have an entire season to dedicate to this, I'm excited for that, and I cannot wait to see how they transition that into live action. Yeah, this this looks really cool. And uh, I, I don't know where I... Um, I I guess it was one of the Gotham podcasts that I listened to, Um they had had alluded to uh, seeing some of the footprints of, of Court of Owls in the last season and that maybe that's a direction that they were going. And so I was I was almost kind of expecting it. So when I saw this, I wasn't surprised, but I was, you know, I was positively, uh, you know, I was delighted that that they're going in this direction and that, and that we got to see the mask. Um, and they're also going to introduce the Mad Hatter, uh, Solomon Grundy, Talon. And also, they cast Vicky Vale along with her aunt Valerie, who I believe is Valerie Vale. Is that a, just a creation of this show, or is that from the comics? I think that's just a creation of this show. I'm not so yeah, sure. Because she's, um, you know, she's a reporter. Like, like I guess Vicky Vale will eventually grow up to be within this continuity. But I, they're they're gonna they're gonna have Valerie Vale be, you know, I guess the. Um, 
well, I'm, I'm, the word the word has escaped me that I'm looking for. But yeah, they're basically Valerie Vale is going to be in place of Vicky Vale since Vicky Vale at this point would be a kid and yeah. is a kid. Yes. And they also recast Poison Ivy to uh, they, re- they recast someone older. Which makes sense because I think like even like the young actress they had for Poison Ivy, she looked almost too young. She looked younger than Bruce, and I'm like, I kind of assumed that Poison Ivy would be younger than Bruce Wayne, but I was like, all right, that's gonna be at least 25 years until she could start wreaking havoc. But um, I'm not, I'm not sure how they're gonna explain that within continuity. I think it is gonna be played up in some like, oh, this is a different Poison Ivy. It, it, I, I think it's gonna be played up throughout. I don't think there, it's just gonna be like the um. Like the husband on on Bewitched, that that type of deal. It's, oh, this is oh oh you, you don't look different at all, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> or but, like, but yet, it's kind of like how many soap operas like like oh we, an actor's leaving, the character gets into a car accident, needs plastic surgery, and then when they reveal, they take the bandages off. It's a completely different, a different actor. Person. Yeah. Or, or, or obvious. How did I not make the obvious Jennifer Parker reference? I'm, I'm slipping. Wow, you're right. Shame. That that one should have been. It's almost like I was subconsciously trying to not make a Back to the Future reference, but I, I have a, I have a feeling that I'm going to be making a few more when we get to some of the other stuff that we're going to be talking about. So, so uh, fear not, loyal listeners. <laughs> there will be Back to the Future references. It's funny because. Um... Before the New 52 launched with the Court of Owls storyline, with that being the first Batman title, one of the last stories that were part of the old continuity um, was a story called Gates of Gotham, where writers Kyle Higgins and Scott Snyder wrote this kind of mystery where this is still when Dick Grayson was Batman and Damien was Robin, and they're going on this mystery that goes back generations to see where the founders of Gotham came to be, like where, like, where, like, the families like the Elliots, the Waynes, the Cobblepots, and uh, I can't remember the fourth family, but they're having, and they're going to the flashbacks. The Canes? Yes. The Canes. And, what, and like, this is before Court of Alice has even begun. However, there's art about, like, some of the, like, I think it's, like, one, I think it's Cobblepots, like, Cain has a court, like, a Court of Owls owl on the cane. This is before Court of Owls was even published. Now, like, that's a nice piece of continuity where they were going to leading to, like, as you said, that Gotham podcast brought up. There were probably hints of Court of Owls coming in Season 2 of Gotham. Three. Well, I'm saying hints in Season 2 leading to oh, Season 3. Oh, oh, right. Oh, you're right. I'm saying. <laughs> it's all uh, good. But coming up uh, in this season also... So they did mention that I didn't see the full Gotham panel because I couldn't find it where I found all the other the full panels. But they did Gotham actually themselves posted like a little highlight video. So this picks up six months after the finale of season two. So six months have passed since since season two ended. Uh, Jim is still not he's still not, you know, reinstated with uh, the GCPD. He's a bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. And apparently Lee has a new love interest. Um. So that's that's uh, that's what we got in terms of uh, setting the stage for where we're coming back, and uh, and and from the finale, we now know that there are two Bruce Waynes floating around Gotham, which is intriguing to say the least. And seeing it's weird seeing the um, was it David? Um, I forget his last name. Mizzou. Mizzou. David Mizzou Gazoo. Uh, 
I, I know we made that joke before, but it's just like it's weird seeing him with long hair, and then I'm like, oh, I've totally, I had totally forgotten about that. Then until I saw that, I'm like, oh right, he does have long hair with the two Bruce Wayne's uh, wreaking havoc and such. But like the other shows we've mentioned, that they just the trailers just cut so well. And they've built such excitement around it that you just can't help, like, all right, I can't wait for this to be here. I don't care if it's not connected to the regular DC shows on CW and it's its own thing. I'm still going to watch it and most likely will end up enjoying it. And more DC in my life, the better. Yeah, and more Batman-related stuff in our lives, the better. And, you know, Gotham Season 2 I was was a really a big improvement over Season 1. Uh, it's, it's it's been well documented between us that that first season you know I struggled to get through it I did I did it did pick up towards the end of it and I started to enjoy it and then once season two hit I was really loving it it did dip a little bit in the end um, some of the Hugo Strange stuff I wasn't totally into but I overall it was still like I would say my third favorite one of the shows from last season so. Um, yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to this. And I, I'm really the stuff like having an alternate version of a character really captures my interest. So this uh, this this mysterious long-haired Bruce Wayne, I'm just really and and Bruce Wayne in general because I thought the character development that he underwent in season two was was my favorite aspect of the show. And I just things things that he did and said and just I really really got into Bruce as a character in season two. So obviously that's just gonna continue because now he's just going further into into his journey to eventually become batman and i do wonder how far this show is going to take us you know i do wonder where it's going to kind of all end up and we can have we've had discussions about that before but um yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what they do in season three all right yeah so gotham you, the prospects look fantastic and we're going to watch when you finally hit the air when is it hitting in the air again Gotham returns earlier than all the other shows. It returns on September 19th, so uh, that's not too far off. Gotcha. All right, fantastic. All right, then. Now, let's jump back to the CW, a show that we've praised and we've beaten down. Arrow Season (sighs) 5. And it's not like... I just don't want to feel like we're being so petty and just being petulant about like no. no, no, like there are reasons that why we've had such mixed feelings in the past two seasons. However, season five, like, definitely seems everything should be where you figured the show was going to go, and like him, uh, well, building a new team, and that we have a mysterious archer that somebody mistaken as. Green Arrow and that person ends up being killed. I like having another Archer as a villain because I think Malcolm Merlin was possibly one of the best villains on Arrow. Oh, I loved him. And like, I loved I, him in that when, role. And when I sent that clip to you about the first encounter from the season one of uh, uh, the Arrow facing off against the Dark Archer and having the Arrow's ass handed to him, I'm like, oh, this is why I fell in love with the show in the first place with how it was grounded and there was a level of fantastic to it. But there was something just like one man against another guy who's in a very similar similar skill set and not being able to defeat him captured my imagination and this is what the end of that trailer this season's trailer did for me your feelings in the season 5 trailer i got caught up in some of the other aspects of it i would say um 
I mean, that that aspect of it really did bring it back to the earlier seasons, which I loved. But what I the main thing that I think about when I think about our season five, based on what I've seen and based on the panel and everything, um, is just the formation of this new team, uh, adding in Artemis and Wild Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artemis, who we saw last season impersonating um, the Black Canary, uh, and Wild Dog, a, a completely brand new character that we're going to see. Uh, and as actually, um, I don't, have you ever seen Coach Carter? I have not. Oh, well, he, he's he's a guy from Coach Carter. So it, when I saw the sizzle reel, I was like, oh, it's a guy from Coach Carter. Uh, so so that'll be fun to think about Coach Carter every single time I watch Arrow. Great. Um, <laughs> That, by the way, that show is never not on TV. There are like three sh- – there, there, I mean that movie. There are like three movies that are always, always, always on TV. It's always Spider-Man 3, one of the Karate Kid movies, and Coach Carter. Those are always on TV. I don't care what time of day. They're like, it's like Law & Order is always on TV on some channel somewhere. Those, one of those three movies is always on TV. Uh, but, but, getting back, but getting back to Arrow. Um, so – this new team that there's going to be kind of a divide between Oliver and Felicity. Oh joy. Uh, where Felicity wants to bring these newbies onto the team. Oh, along with Mr. Terrific, uh, who is now a a season regular. Thank God, because he was one of the bright spots of season four for me. I loved him. I loved Curtis. Uh, Felicity wants to bring, you know, form a new team and Oliver wants to go back to, his family and friends that comprise the old team. And that's apparently going to be the big conflict with them, at least at the beginning of the season. But we do know, we do see that they bring on these, you know, new members of the team and then they're, you know, he trains them and, and all this stuff along with all of that from the panel. We do know that Felicity is getting a new boyfriend because everyone cares about that. Right. I'm so excited. This is like, this is incredible, you know? For, like, forget Justice Society, Legion of Doom, forget the Fortnite crossover. Felicity's getting a new boyfriend. Like, I never thought I would see, I never, you know? Like, if you if you approached me a couple of years ago and was like, listen, you think this show's good now? Season five, Felicity's going to get a new boyfriend. <laughs> I, like, all bets, like, put me in the time machine now. Like, I want to go see that, like... <laughs> Come on, I don't know. I don't know your thoughts. I'm surprised. Listen, if if DC did win Comic Con 2016, it's because of this bombshell that was dropped. Of course. I mean, no other news is bigger than Felicity getting a new boyfriend that is not Oliver Queen, or just Felicity smoke relationship tidbits in general. I mean, like that's what we're all here for, right? That that's that's the. I think you know. The whole DC CW TV universe really does just exist because of Felicity. I think I think we should we should acknowledge that. I mean, and, and you know you know what the sad part about this is everything that we just said. There are people on Tumblr who are sincerely saying that. Oh yeah, I know. But it was just, <laughs> just even our sarcastic comments that we've had for the past like two minutes, like. It has left me at a loss. Like, I don't know what to say or what to do. I just, I really just hope in all seriousness that that aspect of this show does not 
overtake everything else like it did in the last two seasons because that's my problem with this show. Any other gripes aside, that is my problem with Arrow for the past two seasons, and I know it's yours as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just unfortunate that we have to deal with that, and it's a part of the nature of the beast of having this. And I understand, like, you need some sort of conflict and everything like that, and, like, you think of, like, comic books have been built upon those kinds of conflicts. You look at Chris Claremont's run, like, 17-year run on the X-Men. It was, like, the longest-running Spanish soap opera you've never wanted to see, and it's like, who's sleeping with who? Who's mad at what? And then it's just like, ah. Oh. Those things, I think, just need to be kind of buried a little, and then highlight other, like, better aspects of the show, like the crime-fighting and the vigilantism and the... the the kind of characters we can have. I mean, of course, having the personal relationship still there, but, like, Oliver is going to... I bet you Oliver is going to mess up the first night he goes out, and Felicity has a new boyfriend. He's going to probably go too far, or he's going to miss with an arrow when he's supposed to... He wasn't going to, usually, so... And that stuff just gets so tiring, because we've seen it, we've been there, we've done that. You know, it's not impossible on Arrow to come back from being an unlikable character. Hell, Laurel did it. Laurel did a complete 180 for me and for a lot of other people, I would say. You know, there were people who really weren't big fans of Laurel in the first couple seasons. And then, mm. you know, going right up through the end of season four, she had become one of one of my favorite characters. And I really loved her arc, and I really loved the way she redeemed herself, not only as a character, but as a person on the show. Um, and then, of course, they killed her off because... Why have nice things when you can have horrible things that you don't really care about at all? I, not, that, not that I think Felicity should be killed off. It's just that I think the drama that comes with her and that territory, that should be minimized to a great degree if this show wants to you know, continue to hold on to a fan base that isn't, like I said, the Tumblr crowd who eat this stuff up. And if if you're part of the Tumblr crowd and you're eating this stuff up, there are other shows entirely dedicated to this type of stuff. You don't need to watch a superhero show for that. You really don't. Okay? Let us have this. You can go watch your One Tree Hill and your Pretty Little Liars and whatever the hell else. All right? Let us have this stuff. But we if you appeal to a, a female no, audience. No, you do appeal to a female audience by writing great female characters like Supergirl, like the Black Canary, like the White Canary, like Iris West. Yes. You don't do it by just having petty soap opera drama shoehorned into a superhero show. Nobody cares. The people who do care can watch that on another show. Huh. I really just it it just it drives me nuts, and I'm so glad that this is only really uh, something that arrows have to deal with. Although I will say it did kind of creep into Legends of Tomorrow season one uh, with a really forced relationship between Ray and Hawk Girl, which was the worst part of that show. And there was a list of things I didn't like about that show. That was number one. But more than Dane Cook. More than Dane Cook Hawkman. He was just kind of there and didn't really do anything for me. But yeah, man, um, 
Felicity's getting a new boyfriend, so whoop-de-fucking-do. Other news of Arrow Season 5, obviously Cody Rhodes has been cast in some sort of role. Uh, that's been all over the place. That's been common knowledge for a while. We don't know too much about who he's playing, but eh, I'm not the biggest Cody Rhodes fan in or out of wrestling. Um, I'll give him a chance. We'll see. Yeah, I mean... I so he's, he's not just, just going to pop up as Stardust. I mean... Well... I hope not. <laughs> oh, well, now that I've said that, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> like, Felicity hires him to get back at Oliver. You know yeah. what? You know what? <laughs> that would just that would be just like the perfect storm of things I hate. Felicity and Stardust. That Cody Rhodes together. plays her boyfriend. Yeah, that that's exactly... Oh, man. That's... Ugh... You know what I'm dreading? I'm dreading next year around this time we're going to get the news that uh, that Felicity signed the, the, the Captain Cold deal and she's going to be on all the shows. Oh. That That's like, I'm, I'm frightened of that. And the Felic- thing is, I do not, I, Emily Brett Rickards, like, I do not hold any of this against her. I know it's another thing we want to, I want to make that explicitly clear. I think she's a wonderful actress and not hard on the eyes and it's like, I want to see her succeed in a very nice and good character. It's just how she's written for the past two seasons of this show. They've just been dreadful. Dreadful. I don't think any other word is able to describe it. Exactly. She, and Felicity was an awesome character in the first two seasons. We, you know, we all loved Felicity the first two seasons. And then her and Laurel just kind of did a little bit of a, a, a crossfade between each other. And Felicity became the unlikable one. And Laurel became the cool one. And I would really like to see a return to form for Felicity in season five. I know everyone would. Um, that would be very welcome. But I feel like, you know, there's a lot of potential for this season, especially, you know, the flashbacks to Russia and the Bratva and all that stuff. And that kind of connecting right to when Oliver gets off the island. So I wonder how that will play into the flashbacks and if we do get to, you know, kind of see that again from what we saw in the beginning of the season and how that all connects back together. Mm. And 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 the new aspects of of, you know, the new team and 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 the new villains and uh, I think Ragman is going to be a character on on this season and you know, wherever else they they decide to go this season and whatever happens with uh with Diggle because we do know that Diggle will be affected in some way by the events of Flashpoint. That's been something that that has come out recently. That it will Flashpoint is going to affect Arrow and Diggle in particular. Now, in what way we don't know. Um, so that's something that I'm curious to see about. And when that when we will actually see the effect of a Flashpoint in the Arrow universe is that something that they hold off on until the crossover? This way, it's easier to explain because you can't just have you can't just come back and suddenly, you know, Diggle's a completely different character and it's never explained within continuity. So no. that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing how that how Flashpoint changes Arrow. Um, going back to the, some of the more positives going into Arrow Season 5. Yeah. So there is potential. Like, we've, we've been gushing over shows and movies that have happened up to this point, And we're at a crossroads with Arrow right now, it seems like. Like, if this season doesn't fare well, it may or may not be the last season of Arrow. Would you agree? 
you know, in in some way, I feel like them touting that this is kind of the end of an era this season, or um, it's kind of going, it's kind of coming full circle back to the flashbacks leading back to when Oliver gets off the island. That would be an ideal place to end the show, but we do know that Stephen Amell uh, has, I believe, uh, he signed on for seven seasons although those seasons aren't confirmed it's if they you know the option of two more seasons after this but he signed on through seven seasons um honestly i see them going the full seven if not more because this is this is what Stephen amell hangs his hat on you know this this is his resume this show yeah um his forays into into films and everything like that you know I'm not sure how if that's really going to take off for him, although I do think he's a very talented actor, and I'd love to see him in more films, especially superhero-related films. But I do think that while they, while they still have this, I do think that Arrow will continue on through seven seasons, if not maybe a couple more, regar- you know, regardless of how we feel about the show coming out of this season. I don't think this is the last season. Although... There is the possibility within this universe, maybe some shows get consolidated. Like, I'm not saying maybe Oliver becomes a full time cast member of Legends of Tomorrow, but maybe something else happens in a year or two where maybe we have Oliver and some other main characters on another team up type show. Mm. And I think anything's possible at this point. And keeping him around would be would make me happy and would, would like allow more opportunities for green hour stories. Cause there's plenty of green hour stories to tell. It's just how they go about executing them is the $64,000 question. Like what kind of, I think what arrows kind of having a little bit of an identity crisis right now. I don't know what they really want to do with the show. I mean, it's obviously the show has to get bigger to a certain extent, but however, the show started as one man's fight against crime, and I, I hope it doesn't end up being with the, so many new characters that Oliver Queen becomes a backseat driver in his own TV show. That is kind of the sentiment that I've seen regarding, oh, yeah, just everybody becomes a vigilante now on this show. And I do agree with that to an extent. You know, I do think it kind of. Now that we're adding in Artemis and Wild Dog, it, it is a little bit like, all right, well, we'll see. You know, I, I don't know. I, I still, I've always, well, you know, when they when he started recruiting like Roy, and you know, and when Thea became Speedy, and when you know Laurel became Black Canary, and all this, like that stuff, it felt well earned, and it felt really right for the show and for the evolution of the show. You know, we'll see how they earn this if they do. Or maybe if it's a mistake, maybe they'll course correct in the next season. Who knows? Uh, But that one man's journey, I think that's what they're trying to get back to a little bit with this season and within the tone of the first two seasons. And hopefully they're successful because I love those first two seasons of Arrow. Like, I... Man, like I can still go back and watch those first two seasons and then just stop there and I'm good because you know, it was just it was a different show. And I hope that they get back to a little bit of that tone. 
definitely. Anyway, I think we should move on to the the shining star that's on the CW right now. And that star is in the shape of a lightning bolt. I know lightning bolts and stars don't really look like each other. I was trying to shoot Abort. In. Abort. <laughs> the Flash. And season three of The Flash, your feelings on the trailer of it. Oh, my God. Um, first of all, we're going to start out with a little Back to the Future reference uh, because this just sent all of my, my, my sensors and my alarms going off when... Uh, when Barry's in the street and he's looking at his, you know, his parents' house and his parents are there and, oh, is everything all right? And he goes, everything's great. Like, that's the exact Marty line from the end of part one. Uh, and it's just like, wow, this is so, like, oh, even just from that, I'm like, all right, all right. This is, this is just, I love this. I love where they're going with this, with, with, with Flashpoint and how, you know, he's kind of courting a new version of iris that he has no real attachment to aside from the fact that it's you know it's iris but it's it's not and it's just the whole kid flash being the the superhero in this central city because while barry comes through with his powers he is not the flash in this universe you know it, it it's it's wally yeah and just, just seeing, you know, seeing the this black racer that's going to be one of the big bads um, in this season. We don't we don't have a name yet for the speedster, but uh, and just to, just to see the the Matt Lesher reverse Flash locked up in the jail in the in the cell by by Barry, and I got goosebumps at the end. Who's the villain now? I got uh, I got goosebumps all over just thinking about it. I loved this sizzle reel because. Like we said on the on the last episode when we were talking about Tom Cavanaugh and we were like, oh yeah, imagine being the other guy that has to play the reverse Flash and just know that you have to follow Tom Cavanaugh. Well, you know what? I am all, I'm hyped up for the Matt Lesher reverse Flash going into not only Flash Season 3 but Legends of Tomorrow now that he's going to be part of uh, the Legion of Doom. I think this is going to be so cool and we haven't even seen uh wells we didn't see wells in the sizzle reel and we didn't nope. see jesse nope so and and it's just there's so many possibilities for what they have opened themselves up to now with flashpoint we don't know how long the actual flashpoint world will last but we do know that that's what they're kicking it off with it's going to pick up three months after the events of the season finale and uh and that's where we're we're just barry's has been in this this world for three months and he's been living with his family and presumably probably the happiest he's ever been. And it's all like, it's obviously the things are going to come to a head. And I wonder if like, it's going to be like there's, there's a Batman animated series episode where Batman's incapacitated. He doesn't know he's incapacitated and his parents, he wakes up like, ah, oh, that was so weird. And like, Alfred, uh, meet me down in the Batcave. Batcave, sir? And he finds out his parents are still alive, and in the episode's called Perchance to Dream, and he says, like, this is not real. His body and his mind know it's not real. I wonder if they're going to play that, that act, that part of this version of, like, this Flashpoint uh, universe. Will Barry question, like, I yes, I wanted my mom back, and, and everything seems to be going great, but I don't know if, like, it's his own conscience or something about it will be 
beating at him saying like this is not real this is not the world that i came from i wonder if that will help spur him to course correct and set everything back and another thing is we don't know how long this flashpoint storyline is going to last it would be interesting if they run the whole season i don't know if they're going to do that but so much like you're saying there's so many good moments there in this trailer and seeing while it was his flash seeing the black flash and it's like Wow, we're like, I keep using the word spoiled again, but Flash just seems to be consistently delivering such great comic book TV show content that it's like, I, like, you can do anything at this point. Hopefully, and hopefully we don't get so ahead of ourselves and they do something really stupid, like making Barry Felicity's boyfriend or something like that in this Flashpoint universe. Oh, God, no. (laughs) No. No, listen, I think the Flash writers have, have earned a lot of people's trust over the past two seasons. They definitely earned mine. Um, and I go into this with, with no reservations about anything, you know. And and like you were saying, um, I think the reverse Flash is going to play so much into, you know, Barry's his conscience and, and his guilt and, and whatever about, about this Flashpoint and this, the decisions he's made. Like, I love that... The, that um, that Eobard gets to once again be a central figure in in Barry's story, and they're, but they're doing it in such a different way. And I love the way they can just keep incorporating him in all these different forms, and it is always fresh, and it's always a different take on it. And and even without it being Tom Cavanaugh, it like it that even adds to it more. I I, I love. I just love everything about what I've seen from, from not only from the panel, but from the sizzle reel, and also, and we didn't talk about Cisco being, you know, richest man in America now, and, and just all of the different, uh, just all the possibilities. Every member of Team Flash and 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 Joe and Barry don't have that relationship now because obviously Barry in in this world wasn't raised by Joe, so. You get to see Joe just being really standoffish and rude towards Barry, mm-hmm. and it, like I, I just love. I say this all the time. I just love alternate worlds. I love alternate timelines, alternate versions of things. It's why I love Back to the Future so much. It, it's why the show captures my imagination. Because this to me is just like, oh man, if I can only watch one superhero show, this would definitely be it for all the reasons that I've said and so much more. And how great Grant Gustin is and how great the cast is, like we talked about. And if you haven't listened to our Flash Season 2 show that, that we did with Justin uh, the other week, then check that out on, on the Anything Goes SoundCloud. But, man, I just, I, like, October 4th cannot get here soon enough. And that's a nice little day early birthday present for me. I was going to say, me. like, that's a day before your birthday. So that, that's yeah. the perfect gift for you right there. It is, and and it, you know, Arrow, Arrow being on the actual birthday is still not even as good as the Flash being the day before. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And also, we have uh, Tom Felton playing a character named Julian Dorn, and you know, you wonder if if he's going to be playing the role of one of the big bads, uh, which of course we have the that Black Racer that we've seen, and also Doctor Alchemy this season. Mm. And Death the Black Racer was a New Gods character created by Jack Kirby. And 
showed up again in Grant Morrison's run of the JLA during the Rock of Ages storyline. And so, like, Black Racer could figure prominently in this show because he is, he is the this version of death inside the DC universe. Like, once your its shadow falls upon that character, his fate is sealed. So, and then there's the... We don't know if, like, it's Black Racer or it's Black Flash, where it is the Speed Force's version of death coming for Speedster saying... You've meddled with time so much that the time race are not equipped enough to stop them that the black Fl- the black flash needs to be called upon, and it'd be interesting to see if Tom Felton plays him or like I said, Doctor Alchemy. And like Tom Felton, obviously, anybody who's a fan of geek culture was Draco Malfoy in the live action Harry Potter movies, and have him added to the cast is just it's great to see film actors go to TV. So we get to see a lot more of them as well as actors who start out as child actors and don't just become that one note and actually go on to have other careers. So having him as a successful career as an actor, and especially on a show that I have so much love and respect for, just makes me giddy with excitement what can, what can come from this. And it's funny, I ended up Googling Grant Gustin Marty McFly, and he did dress up as Marty McFly once. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm just, like, and then when you were saying about Ramon is the richest man in America, I'm like, I hope like Grant <laughs> stops by a TV monitor and we see the entire yeah. history of Ramon coming. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Cisco Ramon Museum. <laughs> and it's like to see Grant goes ah! and just and Ramon's like guards grab him like oh, we can do this easy way or the hard way, and then the easy way. <laughs> You're good at uh, in Star Labs, like, level four. Star Labs level four? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, with uh, with Caitlin would, I guess, be the uh, person yes. to wake him up. And with, like, really noticeably breast enhancements, this just make it very uncomfortable. Like, you're so oh God. big. Oh God. <laughs> just shoehorn more Back to Future jokes in there. So, if you haven't guessed by now... This is probably the number one show that we're looking forward to right now. And as you said, October 4th cannot come here soon enough. And it's near my birthday because we're, we're, we're only a week apart when it comes to our birthdays. So Yeah. And so like this will be an early birthday gift for myself as well. So The Flash Season 3 is it October yet? That's all I need to say. Now we, we should uh we, we should we should get together and watch uh the premiere like we did the finale. I'll be down for that. I'll be totally down for that. I know there was supposed to be like there was a uh, a show like a concert I wanted to go to on October fourth, but the guy I wanted to go with is kind of touch and go if he wants to go with me. So I'm more than happy to say all right. I'll skip the concert and watch the premiere with you. All right. What concert? Uh, there's a band called not Hailstorm, but Ailstorm, A L E. Oh Storm. yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. I've heard of them. And like, he's like my buddy Mike has got me into like folk metal and stuff like that, and I find it very humorous and enjoyable. So listening to like pirate metal and a lot of stuff from coming out of Europe, and I, I get a kick out of it. And they're playing at the Gramercy in, on October fourth. So if he can't go, I'm more than willing to watch the premiere with you. Sweet. Okay. Now. Let's move from the TV to the silver screen. When it comes to DC Universe, two, count them, two master trailers dropped at Comic-Con uh, uh, 2016. Now, which one would you like to start with? Well, well, I mean, um, you know, to clarify for everyone, uh, Justice League wasn't even a trailer. Justice League was just 
um, kind of like a sizzle reel or just the footage of what they have so far. I think a lot of people mistook it as uh, a trailer, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it was just kind of introducing you to the tone and to the you know to the characters, not so much plot stuff. But I think you know what? Let's let's start out on Justice League since we're talking about that right now. Um, wow! Right. Yeah. I yeah this this was and we weren't they didn't announce a Justice League panel or anything but you know I kind of had a sneaking suspicion they were going to surprise us with a little something but you know just from the build up with, with showing all the logos which by the way I I I really love the new uh, the new solo Batman logo that's my desktop wallpaper right now really um, that's and cool. my phone my phone wallpaper too I I just love the way it looks without that pesky Superman logo in the middle of it. Uh, <laughs> But uh, wow, this was like I I really I really enjoyed this. I lo- the, the, my biggest takeaway of this was just how cool Aquaman is in this. And I think that's the the biggest thing they had to accomplish with it because Aquaman, due to the Super Friends TV show decades ago, gave such a not a negative light, but kind of like there was a, somebody made a parody. Uh, animation of the Super Friends meets the Powerpuff Girls, and it opens up with a Legion of Doom headquarters and Aquaman and Wonder Woman tied up in a death trap, and Aquaman's like, the ability to talk to fish have no effect here, Wonder Woman. And that's the level of discord people consider Aquaman, like, oh, he talks to fish. And it's even a joke they make at the end of this little teaser. And the casting of Jason Momoa should have been like, alright, we're gonna treat this seriously. And then you look at, like, in the New 52, Jeff Johns took over the writing of Aquaman early on, along with him doing the Justice League as well. And his take on Aquaman, like, it opens up with him stopping a bank robbery. Like, he lands in the middle of the street as a stolen um, armored car barrels towards him. And he just, he punctures the front of it with his trident. And he lobs the entire armored truck over his shoulder and landing on top of it. And incapacitates the robbers and one of the cops comes up to him and says doesn't say thank you or anything that's like hey Aquaman do you need a glass of water because you're so far away from the coast he's like I don't need that much water to survive and then the whole first like arc is trying to prove to people what he really is and what he can do and not just be treated as a joke and I feel like this this movie has to do that as well in the mainstream pop culture conscious and I think this trailer accomplished that I think it definitely did judging by the reaction and just judging by me because I'm not someone who's ever been a big Aquaman guy and I'm I'm kind of hyped up you know based on this and just just seeing all the cool stuff like him standing in front of all the waves crashing you know he he kind of reminds me of Roman Reigns he has like a Roman Reigns look to him yeah but only I think Jason Momoa has a little bit more personality than Roman Reigns well I mean <laughs> goes without saying and he's a lot a lot cooler than Roman Reigns too uh but that's neither here nor there Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, just Aquaman came across really cool. Um, I liked I liked the humor uh, that we were getting from uh, from Bruce. Uh, although some of the humor, especially on the part of Ezra Miller, I think I'm gonna have to warm up to it a little bit because I think they were going out of their way to be like, oh no, we we have jokes. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, and like trying to course correct from from you know the seriousness of of the other movies that have come before this but i think this that that was the intent of this was to say this is the tone 
to you know for this to really exemplify that and these are the characters and these are you know some of their interactions early on and this is what we first of all what they have to mm. sh- to show us so far and you know got little glimpses of like like little glimpses of cyborg i i'm assuming that a lot of a lot of the digital effects for cyborg are still you know in in process in progress so they couldn't do too much with him and and have him all over this you know which is fine mm-hmm. um but i'm interested to see you know a little bit more of of his character because we're familiar with bruce at this point um we're gonna get to we're gonna get to know wonder woman in her own movie um, and we got the flash was really highlighted in this. So I think cyborg is the, is the one that's still a little bit, um, and especially for audiences are probably, they're probably the least familiar with cyborg. So, uh, you know, just the general audiences, not, not your hardcore comic fan. Mm-hmm. So, but I do think that the reaction to this in general was pretty similar to, you know, the one that I had, the one that most people that I saw had was, wow, this is really cool. Um, even people who didn't like Batman v Superman so much saying, "Wow, this this makes up for it." I'm I'm looking forward to this. And those who had like problems with that, watch the three hour cut. Like I know, watch the ultimate, like the extended cut for Batman v Superman. It makes things a lot better and more cohesive. And it shouldn't be a surprise because you look at the director's cut and the ultimate cut of Watchmen, another Zack Snyder film, which everything plays a lot better that way. So I, that's my two cents on that. And my, you know, my my, uh, my favorite part of, of of the extended cut of Batman v Superman is when Thomas Wayne promises Bruce that he's going to take him to Raging Waters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might have to explain that joke to some. People. I, I just had to get I had to get that in because um, I was watching uh, the, the first time I ever saw Terminator Two uh, was when I watched it with Tim and Tim showed me. I guess it was I was. A, like a special edition DVD. Yeah. And, and we watched this extended cut that had extra stuff. And then I recently watched Terminator two again, because I really loved it. And the version I watched, I guess was just the theatrical cut that didn't have, uh, this bit in it where, um, uh, what's his name? Dyson. Yeah. Where you get to see him with his family and, uh, he promises his kids, he's going to take them to raging waters and we just have a joke about that because uh, Raging Waters is a song by metal band Testament that we both love. And uh, so the, the whole time we're watching the movie, we're just making Testament jokes. Uh, <laughs> and that wasn't in the theatrical cut. And I, that's when I was watching. And I was, I'm just like waiting for Raging Waters, waiting for it, waiting for it. And then he dies and I'm like, wait a minute. Did, did, I, like, did I make that up? Did I envision? No, I didn't. Like and like, I was trying to convince myself that I didn't create Raging Waters being a thing, which would have been really weird because we had a joke about it. So how would that? So that I googled it and I was like, oh, it's a it's an it's an extended version of uh, of Terminator Two. So how that's long, so, how long were you confused by that? Like how long was it until you looked it up? Like was it like a matter of minutes or is it like? Well, it, well, when they went to when they went to the building and and then he gets you know, pumped full of lead. I was just kind of like, I, I remembered something about, wait, what is it? What is it? And then I just grabbed my phone and looked it up. <laughs> but I was, it, I was very confused there for a minute because I was like, no, this is my favorite part of the movie, Raging Water. And, the, and then, and then the part where he throws out all of his Testament records isn't in there either. <laughs> oh yeah. And 
always say like most movies like extended cuts are the way to go if like there's if it was if there was an extended cut you usually watch that you think of like Blade Runner and things of that nature but going back to Justice League seeing Wonder Woman and Batman kind of doing the recruiting together and that they're having this kind of friendship while Superman is gone is a really cool thing to see and then my favorite moment is a, a st- like I took a still from it and like you mentioned it before with Aquaman sitting at the edge of the ocean and the waves just engulfing him. Zack Snyder's always been a great visualist and that's an, a, an image that will stick in my mind until I see the movie and see there's probably 2,000 more frames like that in that movie, so cannot wait. I enjoyed the fact they're going for a lighter tone. Hopefully they don't make it too hokey like, oh, like it becomes too jokey or anything like that where it tries too hard. I hope they find a nice balance that it is still a serious comic book movie that does have some levity to it because it's because the criticism of it being too dark on one end, it, there's a possibility of them going too far in, in yeah. into comedy and farce. Hopefully do not do that. Yeah. The, judging from this, there's a possibility of that, of them going too far in the other direction. But I'm hoping just for the middle ground of, you know, they, hey, there can be a balance of seriousness and, and humor, and that can be for anything. So I, 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 I do... I do appreciate a lot of the interactions between, especially between um, between Batman and Wonder Woman. I just I love their their dynamic where uh, it almost had like like tell me if you understand what I'm talking about. Like between them, it kind of I kind of got like an Ocean's Eleven vibe. Yeah, L- I like you know what? Like when Russ and Danny are like recruiting uh, recruiting the team. Like I kind of got like an Ocean's Eleven vibe. I could see that, and then. Ezra Miller would definitely be Linus for sure. Which one is the amazing Yen? <laughs> the little Chinese guy. <laughs> I don't I, know, it's, it has been too... far too long since I since I've seen that movie. There's two consecutive podcasts we've making Ocean Eleven's jokes and quotes from. No, no Home Alone references yet, but no. Let's see, there was a, like there's one moment when you you exclaimed by saying "Wow." And I wanted to say, what a whole lot. No, and, and I totally resisted. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Do not fall down that. Like, that is too easy of a joke right here. If we're going to make a Home Alone 2 joke, I'm going to have to do another reference or something like that. So, for, for all the people at home playing Anything Goes Bingo, we have successfully made Back to the Future, Home Alone, and, uh, and Ocean's Eleven references. So you can, you can mark all those off now. Ah, uh, jeez. Any last words you want to say about Justice League? I'm hyped. Yes. I, I really am. I'm really looking forward to this. I liked Batman v Superman more than most people did. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this. But even more than Justice League, I would have to say I am really looking forward to Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think this is the trailer that took it all. I think this is the trailer, like people are saying DC won Comic Con. And I think if it was, if, like, say, like, yeah. What evidence would be to prove that? I think it would be this trailer. Yeah, this was this. This is just stunning to watch. I I had to watch this at, like at least like ten times. And like I I watched the trailer with like mouths agape, just like holy crap! And like cr- like I love the opening moments with Chris Pine watching up at the beach, and like Gal Gadot's like you're a man, and he's like, well, don't I look like one? Just really <laughs> confused at the circumstances that he finds himself in, and. Seeing like seeing World War One setting for Wonder Woman and how 
she deals with man's world and deal with the great war that was the like was predicted to be the war to end all wars and everything like that. The war and, to settle the score. Exactly, and see. I hope they don't pull like a Captain America First Avenger where they just kind of montage through all like the big fights and stuff like that during the war. I hope they don't do that. And there's a moment that I really enjoyed in this, and it's when she climbs up the ladder onto no man's land, and like it shows like, the Germans firing a mortar, and then like she takes a shield and she just backhands the mortar away from her, and I'm like, holy crap, this looks amazing. And Chris Pine looks fantastic as, oh, yeah. as Steve Trevor. And that little exchange about, like, so, who's your father? I wasn't a father. My, I didn't have a father. Zeus created me. That's neat. <laughs> like, how else would you react to something like that? Like, that's, like, the only possible way to react to something like that. And, like, the Amazonian island looks fantastic. And it's something that my ex-girlfriend Vicky said, and it's something that I totally believe, that, like, she was disappointed that, people were willing to buy a talking raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy more than we can get a Wonder Woman movie on screen. And it finally seems like, all right, we're finally going to get a Wonder Woman movie. And it's something that, like, Marvel, like, the MCU movies have been doing such a great job, and it seems like DC movies are finally playing catch-up. This is the one chance that DC movies can take a step out in front of Marvel shadows, saying, all right, we have a female-led superhero movie. What do you have? You have Black Captain Widow. Marvel. You have Captain Marvel, which they are going to do eventually, and but they've had Black Widow for years and they've never given her a movie. Well, yeah. Now, well, now they've they've cast Brie Larson. We forgot to mention that during the Marvel section, but they've cast Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. So that is coming. But Wonder Woman is is really the first to uh, to break this ground on a cinematic scale. And there's a really like if you get the ultimate cut. Or the like the extended cut of Batman v Superman is a great documentary about Wonder Woman on the disc that I highly recommend. Like goes into the history of where she came from, the creation of her. Like the guy who came up with Wonder Woman and like the lasso of truth that like you cannot lie from. He made he created he came up with the idea for the polygraph, and that, that like that's what he was a doctor first and foremost, and like. Came up with the polygraph test, and he, like, obviously this man was obsessed with the truth for some reason, but it's interesting to see where the Wonder Woman history came from, and now we're finally get to see a big cinematic take on it. It's something to... Wow would be the only word I can use to describe just my feelings for it. Wow! Damn it! I was like, I'm like, I'm like, is he gonna resist the urge? I hope the god he does, because I did. <laughs> I could. However inappropriate it may be, given the subject at hand. Of course. But what but, was your favorite but, moment of, the, of? Go on. No, I was just gonna say, like, just the action in this trailer. Just it looks so cool. Like she just looks so cool in battle. Like, you know, she's riding horses, and you know, she's, she's, oh my god, like. Like I'm just watching it now with the, with the sound off, and like it just looks incredible. And her suit really pops out, and this, it, uh, this just looks like I think people are really going to fall in love with this movie. And I love a good origin story, and I really just I love the way that they're setting her up. I love the way that you know you got a little a little little tease in Batman v Superman. You know she she was kind of central in that movie, but. 
wasn't the entire focus of the movie. And then we're going to get, you know, the the whole shebang in this movie. And then and then we get the whole we time? get more the, the whole time. <laughs> and then we get and then we get even more of her in Justice League. So you fall in love with her in this movie. You only have to wait until November to watch her in Justice League. Yeah. And it's just like this is this is what I'm most excited about in the DC movies barring, you know, the upcoming solo Batman film. This is like, this is the stuff that I'm really like, just, I can't wait to see, sink my teeth into this. And I will be in this theater multiple times watching this movie. It just, it looks that good. And that's how hyped I am about it. And I know this is something that I, I brought up and it's like a weird technical thing. It really has no real bearing on the creation of it to, to most people, but it does to me like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies are shot digitally. They shot on high-end digital cameras. They shot on, like, the Area Alexa and Red Epics and stuff like that. The, Mar- the DC movies, like, starting with Man of Steel, like, with, like, of course, the Nolan movies, and starting with Man of Steel, with Batman v Superman, and Wonder Woman, it's shot on film. And I think there is a very subconscious... Uh, distinction between the two of like how colors are pop and how faces are are photographed and stuff like that like this is shot i'm looking at the technical tech tech specs for one one shot on both 35 millimeter film and 65 millimeter film and like part of it's gonna be an imax and like there's no better quality right now than imax cameras and to have that to be photographing this movie and it's probably gonna be done for the big action scenes because you don't really need to do sound on the day and there's i saw Batman v Superman in IMAX the second time around and like your eyes can tell the grain structure when it went from 35 millimeter film to IMAX footage and he's like oh wow there's a big difference and I think that's definitely going to play a subconscious effect on the audience while seeing this movie and like I bet you that moment where it's another favorite still from this trailer is when the truck flips and it looks like one woman rips the door off and throws it behind her and it falls into the foreground in slow motion and you're like Whoa! And feeling that movie's still being shot on film, even though I do like the digital workflow, I would like the opportunity to shoot on film at one point in my career. And movies like this, this successful, keep that option open. Like, be like make a move, like make move, like make music digitally, but master an analog and things of that nature. Or there's something about having a actual amplifier with tubes in it versus like you having your program with like a preamps and stuff like that. There's a subtle distinction about it that the viewers do recognize it, even though they can't put their finger on it. And I think going to that degree, I think actually makes this product or this content a little bit better. Do you agree? Or do you think I'm just, Oh no, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. There is, I think there are certain movies that do warrant being shot in film. You know, not everything does. You know, just think no. of how many you think of how many TV series are are shot probably a lot more effectively and and produced more effectively just because you can you can shoot them digitally and and going in, into music as well. That's like you know my entire my entire career right now is based on the fact that I was able to learn digital recording in my bedroom when I was fifteen. You know, so there there's there's merits for everything, but like a movie like this, yeah, this this does warrant being shot in film and if it's going to make that difference it's going to have that feel i mean we go to the movies we want to feel something and if this is going to enhance that then i'm all for it and i don't need to get into the technical aspects of of you know this and that because 
that's not my domain. That's your domain. You know, I get mm. into that more in terms of music and audio, but with film, I just want to sit down and just get lost in in whatever world is is being presented to me. And if it can be presented to me in the best possible way, you know, I'm not I'm not a quality snob. I'm you know I'm I'm not one of these people that can't watch anything less than than Blu-ray or whatever. But it you know I'm all for it and. Everything you basically everything Tim just said, I cosign. <laughs> uh, and it's not like I, like like I prefer like moving on to Blu-ray format. Like that's my preference. It's not saying I won't watch anything on DVD. Like I don't have Taxi Driver on D- on Blu-ray, but I have a DVD copy of it. It's like it's not like I'm not gonna watch it. It's like all right, I put that on yesterday and watched that. I'm just like, oh, I still gotta get this on Blu-ray, but I'm still gonna enjoy this movie. It's not like I'm just having this elitist attitude towards it. Like. Like digital photography, like like the flash is looks like that, and arrow looks like that because of the area Alexa they use on that, and then like you look at Jessica Jones and Daredevil that shot on the Red Epic, and that distinct look for those shows is because of that camera and that sensor, and then you look at the movies and you're like that was shot in film, and it has a distinct feel for it, and it creates a ambiance and at- atmosphere that enhances your in- enjoyment of it. I say completely go for it. What would you say your favorite moment in the Wonder Woman trailer? Oh man, I don't know. That's hard to narrow down. Um, I just I love any time uh, that we get to see her in action, and just and like the bullet time, you know, slow down shots, and and that that stuff is the stuff that really just like knocked my socks off when I saw it. Like you know, I I really I like the interactions with Steve Trevor and all that and i like how elegant she looks and you know some of the scenes where she you know she she's you know all dressed up and i like i love period films mm-hmm. and i i really enjoyed the first captain america because of that and i think i'm going to really enjoy that aspect of this and i know that there were modern day uh scenes shot for this we didn't get any of them i don't think uh in this trailer which no. is interesting i'm willing to bet that most of the movies if not all of it you know, except for maybe a certain scene or two will take place within the World War One period. But I just this trailer as a whole to me is just I love it. I just love I love everything about it. And I will continue to watch it and watch it and watch it until we get the next one. And I'll continue to watch that unless they just shoehorn in like a queen song that doesn't really fit. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna deal I don't think that's gonna be a problem with this or one. Ballroom blitz. Yeah, like, I understand your feelings on that, and you, there was a totally warranted. Hey, 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 and if people people love those trailers, then more power to them. Like, like I said earlier, you know, just not just not my thing. Other people, you know, I understand. I understand the appeal. It's just something that kind of doesn't quite do it for me. But this trailer did, and the Justice League footage did, and a lot of other things did. And I think we're really fortunate. We got a lot of great stuff. Uh, you know, we've been talking for over two hours now, just just about everything that came out of Comic Con, and there's a lot of stuff that we we had to just gloss over because there's just too much, and that's a good problem to have. When yeah, there's too much awesome comic book content being produced on television and film. Like, what a great problem to have. You know, yeah. just deciding what you want to go see or when you're gonna have the time to see it all. It's a great problem. 
And we have Suicide Squad coming out on Friday. So, you know, uh, just another thing to to c- oh. consume. It's speaking of Suicide Squad, like Will Smith was on Jimmy Fallon, I think, last night in promotion of Suicide Squad. And Will Smith was talking about, like, while on set, and Jimmy Fallon, like, saw an advanced screening of it. He's like, you look so badass going around and you just you got your wrist guns and you're taking out people. Like, if they told me to run up a, a car and fight, I'd be like, I, I just feel very uncomfortable. You just seem so natural in it. And he's, and he's just like, Will Smith being the king of cool, is like, yeah, I know. I've done some movies and everything like that. This is a DC movie. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I'm on set in costume. I'm like, yeah, all right, this is going to be fun. And all of a sudden, the Batmobile came around the corner. And Will Smith's like, oh, my God, it's the Batmobile. And then seeing Ben Affleck in the suit, and he's just like, oh, my God, it's Batman. And to see Will Smith uh, recounting the image of him being a fanboy while on set in Suicide Squad is just gives me a lot of hope that he seems to have a lot of enthusiasm for this role and for this movie. So it just makes me want to see this movie that much more right now. Yeah, he does seem to have a lot of enthusiasm for for this movie. So much so that he wouldn't shut up during the Suicide Squad panel and let anybody else talk. But uh, <laughs> but no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I my hype going into Suicide Squad isn't quite you know where it is for the, the other things that I that we've talked about that I'm hyped for. But you know, I am. I did. I I, I saw that that piece of footage that they uh, you know the the Batman chasing down joker and harley in in the car and i i really like the tone of that i love the way that looked i i love the way that felt so trailers aside i i'm actually pretty excited for this movie and uh look forward to seeing it on friday oh yeah now is there any other things you want to cover before we sign off i think uh i think we hit everything that we set out to talk about um and obviously you know, we can we can cover these things in in you know in, in greater depth when these things start to pop up, and I'm sure you'll have you'll have me and Justin back on to to do some uh, some wrap ups of, of of the television shows when they end, or maybe we'll try to do uh, maybe we try to do something after the premiere or, or mid season podcast, or try to do something more regular. This way, we don't have a big three hour extravaganza at the end of the season like we did with the Flash. Which I'm all for. I mean, if it's like if we're all available for it, I am 100% down for that. Oh yeah, me too. I'd I'd, I'd love to do that. And and obviously when when the rest of these individual movies come out, I'd, I'd love to for you to have me back on to talk about them. I'm always always up to talk. Uh, really, we could we could just do podcasts about anything. It doesn't even have to be superheroes. I, I love coming on the show. I love uh, I'm I'm enjoying getting back into to podcasting. I actually have some ideas that I'll, I'll probably kick around with you uh, off the air because um, I've had some ideas uh, I want to kind of get back into the water, so to speak, and uh, get back in, get back into the game. So we'll talk about that. But, uh, but yeah, no, this, this has been good. I think we hit everything we, we wanted to hit. All right. Now, I know in the last episode you didn't want anybody to follow you on social media, but if, no. any, if you, so you don't want anybody to follow you on SoundCloud or Twitter? Nah, you don't have to. Eh. I guess check out my SoundCloud if you want to. If you want to go, check that out. Um, just search CM Strike. Uh, just one word on SoundCloud. You can check out some music I made. Music that I've made for uh, for for Tim short films. Uh, and and there's there's more to come from that. But uh, oh yes. And speaking of which, I don't think I told you this. 
Um, we're now a cowardly lot. The short film that we worked on is now submitted to three different film festivals. Waiting three to hear now. back. Yes. We are like the first one I submitted us in was the Coney Island Film Festival. We should be hearing that back by I think August 19th if we're in or not. Uh, New York Shorts, like International Film Festival, that we'll be hearing back from in October. And then last minute, I saw this advertisement on Facebook, but the Toronto, like After Dark, like film festival where it's mostly like for like cult films and like horror movies and stuff like that but they do like allow dark comedies in there and a cowardly lot is kind of a morbid comedy and so i was like you know what what's the worst thing that happened they say no so i submitted it to that and that's also in consideration so hopefully by the end of august we'll hear about that and if anything if we're if we get in i told like my friend ed who um whose birthday i celebrated on Friday, who I saw him at Dave and & Buster's, and he's uh, in a cowardly lot. Well, I'll leave the link to the movie below. Um, I said, like, all right, if we get him, we're going to Toronto. He's like, I don't need a reason to go to Canada, so that's just even more reason to go. I'm like, all right. But, yeah, so if anyone wants to follow Chris, you can follow his SoundCloud at CM, CM Strike. And if you want to follow me on my plethora of social media outlets, you can follow me on Twitter at TimothyRooney2. Instagram at trooney1012 and my Facebook and YouTube page under Through the Lens Productions as if you went through a window not that you threw something out a window now Chris I, I want to thank you for coming on the show and and being a really fantastic guest on this subject matter well thank you as always for having me I love doing this oh good 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 alright I hope everybody's enjoyed this episode if anything goes and we'll be back soon on talk about more geek and pop culture and thank you again Chris and everybody listening we'll talk to you again soon